0: available in more homes than the Pac-12 network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I
1: nice. am oh, David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes. Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
0: Reiner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Brewer Report Online, the UCLA site on the
1: 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. And we're doing it in the same room, which is very nice. David's on the West Coast and... We're in the studio talking Pac-12 football. We got a lot of questions. We got a lot of games to go over. Lots of stuff to do. David, I, I, thanks for coming in. Though I'm glad you're here. It's great. It's great. I got to tell you, it's a little bit weird
0: um, having like really good sound quality during this show. I'm used to <laughs> I'm used to you sounding like you're talking to me through a tin can and knowing that my own voice sounds horrible. So the fact that like you're sounding like you're whispering in my ear through these headphones right now. It's, I, I got to be honest, it's a little titillating. It's a,
1: <laughs> so maybe this is going to be an amazing show or maybe it'll suck. I don't know. We'll see. No way of knowing. We, uh, we're we going to get some beers or something afterwards, but we're here now for all of you. And this might be a two hour show because there's a lot of stuff to get to, but we're going to do our best to get through it all. If you have any questions or comments for us, PAC 12 Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. If you'd rather call or text us, we got a few texts today 424. 424- 532-0678 is the number if you want to tweet at us meaning me at pac 12 podcast <laughs> or our website uh pack12podcast.com please go to Apple podcast and uh, subscribe rate give us a positive review a five star rating you can I don't think you can rate us on Google podcast but wherever you're you know wherever you're listening please subscribe tell your friends about us and uh we do appreciate that I don't know do we get any more uh any uh, reviews? We've got a f- we've got a couple of new ones. You nice. want me to read them? Yeah, sure.
0: All right. This is from 822 Loxahatchee. No idea. Uh, informatively snarky. Although I live in the SEC footprint, I'm primarily a fan of the Pac-12 in football. I enjoy the regions and schools more balanced viewpoint on football and its place in society. Ryan and Dave reflect this by injecting an exuberant dose of lighthearted humor into their commentary. Never do they seem in danger of taking themselves too seriously either. They are very knowledgeable and well-spoken as they convey a real sense of the unique character of each team and its fan base. So while the Pac-12 is currently lagging in producing playoff-quality teams, fans fans can take solace in the knowledge that it is due solely to a relative scarcity of morbidly obese linemen. I don't think that's (laughs) such a bad thing. I like that. And then uh, KeyLime503 says, the Mike Leach of podcasts not sure what can get more off topic during the football season, a mike leach press conference or this
1: podcast. Yeah. Well, it was funny that this past week, uh Mike Leach was asked about you know what we talk about pretty much every day during the off of what you know it was a battle royale mm-hmm. between all the Pac-12 mascots. I I think he undersold the Sun Devil a little I bit. I think
0: he he dismissed it. I think he started out with the Sun Devil because it's clearly the most confusing one to deal with. Yeah. Um well, it's the most confusing in like a real, you know, boots-on-the-ground kind of way, like, what are a sun devil's powers? But it's not confusing in the way that, like Stanford is more or less an abstract concept that you have to deal with. Like, how does a color yeah. fight anyone? <laughs> um, so uh, you know, if he'd gotten down to that point, but I think he conflated the cardinal with the cardinals. I think he said something about a bird. I think, but there was tree. There was also a tree. He got to tree eventually, but it's not, they're not the Cardinals. It's just, they're literally a color. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I thought he, I thought he nailed kind of the key points, which I think at the end of the day, um, Sun Devil, very good. Buffalo, underrated. The bears, you know, laser bear or bear in a sweatshirt, whatever. Um, And uh, and obviously the duck gets worked pretty hard, and the dudes kind of really depends on their ammunition.
1: Yeah, the uh, I think he said the the uh, buffalo is like utterly outstanding or something like that. There was whatever term it was, it was great. It just sounded very uh, Mike Leach. So Extremely
0: That was extremely Leach. But yeah,
1: that's pretty, pretty much our podcast. So we we should definitely have him on in the off season, and I'll I'll try to make that happen. We'll see. You know, who knows. We can, uh, Bruce, you know, Bruce knows him pretty well, and we could, we could talk to the SID there and be like, "Hey, man, he'd be perfect." I'd like it. to keep up our streak of never having anybody on this show who's credible.
0: <laughs> we, Besides we, John Wilner and John Canzano, who are great, and everyone else we've had on the show who's credible.
1: Right, we've had some good people on, but it's it's sort of better when we don't have. It's like you you'd rather have it just be us than like when we get real people on. I would. Yeah.
0: I can't Uh, speak for any of our listeners. I'm almost certain they would prefer other people. (laughs) But you don't do this show nearly for free. We do.
1: Right. Uh, Well, let's go over the uh, Pac-12 football players of the week. You know it's a weird week when you open this email and there's two of the three are UCLA Bruins, which is crazy. So (laughs) they go from the bottom of the uh, power rankings to uh, having two players as Pac-12 players of the week. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson... for ucla quarterback what what do you have 500 something yards yeah 500 some odd yards five
0: touchdowns and a pick yeah and a couple of rushing t- t- rushing touchdowns yeah so yeah he had, nothing
1: major he had a pretty good day i guess and then uh uh dimitri felton on special teams He he's the running back for ucla but he had the 100 yard kickoff return right 101 kickoff mm-hmm. yeah so that was a pretty good one he was only, you know that was only one special teams touchdown for ucla evan weaver uh, he is redonkulous to 22 tackles. So he's just absolutely putting up. I think he's averaging like 15 or 16 tackles a game had that big fourth down stop. So for Cal, uh, Evan Weaver, the inside linebacker, he's just been absolutely amazing. And they, they're doing a uh, lineman now too. I forgot to mention these before. So Penny Sewell for, uh, Oregon, uh, he graded out, I think the highest for pro football focus, um, for Oregon's offensive line, Gus Cumberland, the defensive line for, Oregon, I think he had a sack and a half or so, if I'm not mistaken. And then Kyle Phillips is a freshman wide receiver for UCLA, but he had a couple of catches, but he returned a punt for a touchdown. The first one since like 2005, right? Is that yep. pretty crazy? So six awards, three of them going to UCLA football players. Like th- th- this isn't basketball. These are UCLA football players getting awards.
0: On a day where their defense was absolute trash too.
1: <laughs> so that's, that's really quite something. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. And then um, Matthew uh, has been great with us. We had some carnage because of UCLA, basically. Uh, So our suicide pool, uh, the week four results are compiled. Make sure now it's getting down to that. There's a lot of people gone. So if you're in it still, make sure you're into your picks. Each week, we have the links up on our website on uh, Pac-12Podcast.com. So there was 160 week three winners that could play and only 31 won. So 21 people picked Oregon. Seven people picked Washington. Two picked Cal. Like, that's that's living dangerously. Uh, one picked USC. <laughs> that's really living dangerously. Um, the people that lost, well, a lot of us picked Washington State. A bunch of people picked Arizona State. And then there's some more people with no picks. So there are only 31 people left. So make sure you are entering your picks because – not that you'll win anything cool, but you—we'll talk about you, right? You know, that's something we'll do. Yeah. Um, so you've lasted longer than everyone else. Matthew, he's out. Uh, we are out. Dave and I are both out because we have both picked Washington State. Though Dave said he was thinking about picking Oregon, and that didn't happen. Um, I have no stick to itiveness. No. <laughs> are you? I mean, I thought it was going to take a while for us to get down the numbers down, but it's the Pac-12. It's like cannibalism. And uh, yeah, this was a crazy week. It was pretty crazy. Um, Picks-wise, though, another win for your boy. We're basically tied. You won the first two weeks. I won the second Basically two weeks. tied. Yeah. You've won two weeks. I've won two weeks. 21 and 14,
0: 17 and 18. True. One of us is making you money. One of us is putting you in the poorhouse.
1: I've making you money the last two weeks. If you get rid of week one where I only picked – I didn't do picks. Basically, I just picked the Pac-12 teams. We would be tied like, if we got rid of week one results. So If, just,
0: if my grandmother had a day
1: <laughs> you know the story. But we only had one uh, difference last week, and I got that one right. We'll talk about that. But, you know, if you guys want a place to go, place your bets. Like, pretty much you want to listen to me now and not Dave because I've been winning the last two weeks, and he's just breaking even. You got to go to my bookie. It's so much fun. You know, at the end of a hard week, you want to sit down, take some time off, watch some football, and you know when you have a little action, Dave. Because mm-hmm. the Pac-12 hasn't been that exciting, you know. So we we nothing need
0: a, nothing really going on there. No,
1: you need a little action on some of these, you know, some of these because you know you could get a game where say UCLA's down by 32 points, they're not going to win, right? You can just no, turn they, that one off. In
0: any of the last few years, if they're down by 32, <laughs> 34 points, like you just turn that thing off. Don't worry about it. Never turn it on again. Never even pay attention to the score. Don't look it up the next day. Just move on with your life. If you're a fan, maybe stop being a fan. Maybe just move on.
1: <laughs> but you get a little action that you still want to watch because then the total matters at the end. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do at mybookie. They have the the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, where you should too. So I want you guys to go to mybookie.ag. If you join now, they will double your first deposit. If you use the promo code PAC12 to activate the offer. That's promo code PAC12. Go to mybookie.ag today. You play you win you get paid. Wonderful read. Hey, thanks, man. That was I, among the best I have ever heard actually. Well, here, you know, it's it's better when I'm winning so that it's, you know, when I, the...
0: you, you know, you've got that you've got that real authenticity behind it when you're <laughs> when you're when you're barely barely a game under 500 breaking even.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we're I'm on the way back. We do it. that that first week well, it was just like my experiment to pick all Pac-12 teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utter what, failure. I love I rationalizations. They're yeah. lots of fun. <laughs> So we got lots to get to. Uh, we have new power rankings out. We have uh, some games to get to. I think that's pretty much the end of the out-of-conference games, except for the USC and Stanford both play Notre Dame. So there's two more got two more teams on bye weeks. Um, we've got uh, five five games we'll be previewing. We got a lot of questions to get to. But we got to start off, Dave, with our Pac-12 Roundup. Oh, yeah. Are you excited? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we,
1: you seem you really, seem, really pumped up. You seem excited. Okay, so uh, we have, I feel bad because at uh, number 12, we have Oregon State Beavers. And frankly, that's garbage. That's absolute trash that
0: they're number 12. There's an obvious team that should be number 12, and it's not even the team that's number 11 right now.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, and I, I agree with you on this one. I mean, they won, they beat Cal Poly, but they had a bye this past week, so... Uh, and i test wise, they've looked way better than the team that's coming in at number ten, which right. we'll get to in two teams. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. I'm to hand it to you. This one, you were right on that team that we'll be talking about in a little bit. All right. So sorry. Look memes. at our
0: teasing ability. It's yeah. so good. You're just you.
1: We are. This whole show is dripping with anticipation right now. They, they just don't know. They're they're like, what team could that be? Um, all right. So our number eleven team is UCLA Bruins. <laughs> And they took on, uh, in a crazy game, Washington State Cougars.
0: I still don't know what the hell we watched. Like, I really don't know what this football (laughs) game was. Um, Okay, so through the first half, basically, um, this uh, this was the moment where I was like, Okay, this truly is the worst UCLA team I've ever
1: seen. There was probably some really there were some awesome tweets from you. Oh,
0: so if you (laughs) followed me during the Texas A and M game two years ago when UCLA had the miraculous comeback, I did basically the same thing where I like (laughs) tweeted a bunch of like maybe maybe just slightly over the top things in the in the lead up to eventually them staging a massive comeback. But I had an excuse that time; I was very very drunk. (laughs) (laughs) This time, no such excuse. You were sober. Stone cold sober. Um, So UCLA was down 35-17, and it really was like a fluky 17. Like, they should not have even had 17, and there's a good argument that Washington State should have been up quite a bit more um, at halftime, and then they quickly were in the third quarter. It went to 49-17 without too much time, Um, and it was just... UCLA looked like they had no shot whatsoever. Their defense was horrible this entire game. They gave up, uh, I think, over 400 yards in the first half. Um, so they're dead in the water, completely dead. And then just suddenly things started sparking in the second half. It was just absurd to watch. At first, the offense started to work with a little bit more tempo, started to pass on early downs a little bit more. Dorian Thompson-Robinson was kind of sharp all game. He had one bad pick early and a couple of missed throws, but he was sharp all game. But it started coming together a little bit because I think they were running with a little more tempo. Um, And then Washington State just started doing dumb stuff. You know, give up a kick return for a touchdown. Give up a punt return for a touchdown. Turn the ball over a million times. Like (laughs) UCLA, so there were five available fumbles in this game. Um, So Washington State fumbled it four times and UCLA fumbled it once. UCLA recovered every single available fumble. Do you have any idea how rare that is?
1: <laughs> that's basically a 50 it's like flipping. It's a, a it's a 50
0: It's a 50-50 proposition when somebody is fumbling the ball. And even forcing a fumble that many times is kind of rare. It's it's you know, that's a little bit lucky too. Um, but the actual recovery is insanely lucky. Um, you know, you're expecting each of those to be a 50-50 proposition. Um, so to do that also have a punt return for a touchdown, also have a kickoff return for a touchdown in the same game. You recover every single fumble. You have that much going on for you. You win the turnover battle 6-1, to one, and you eke out a 67-63 win. That is your defense being awful. Banner Society had a great article about this game and that I wish I had written, but it was like, this is the best comeback ever because it wasn't like two, two teams had, okay, this team had a perfect half, and then this team had a perfect half. Washington State kept kind of scoring like it wasn't like they stopped scoring they scored 28 second half points (laughs) UCLA just scored 50 and it's just okay yeah I mean that was one where they really had to earn it and it got so weird at the end I mean Chip Kelly went so here's how weird it got at the end Chip Kelly went for a fourth down where I was like not sure about that one buddy Um, and I'm I'm anti-kick. I'm just right. fully
1: anti-kick. But yeah, it was I think like, you, I think you tweeted something like, "Normally, I'm like go for it, but I think you're kicking this well, one." Well, it was
0: two minutes to go down by three. Um, so, and you were, I think it was a fourth and five at like the fifteen or something like that. And it's like, okay, no other situation, but end of game situations yeah. where you have a chance to tie or go ahead, you have to kick. You can't you can't just sit there with with the hope that you're going to convert. <laughs> um, and I, a lot of people are saying, well, you, they knew that Washington state would just drive down. And I like, well, there's three out, there's two, three outcomes of that. You either get it, you don't get it, or you kick in two of those results. They're getting the ball back and then they're going to score by your theory. Yeah. And in one of those results, you might score on, I mean, how often on a fourth down do you see it break into a big play that scores a touchdown pretty often because fourth downs they're really geared up to stop the right. line of scrimmage if, you,
1: if you're successful then you might just score
0: exactly yeah. so the odds are washington state is getting that ball back where a touchdown wins it so why not at least force them to you know put it in a situation where they're going to do it where they have to do it to yeah. win the game um so anyway that was that was silly m- me being at the point where i'm doing that but this was I still don't really have the proper words for it. It was one of the craziest, craziest finishes to a game I've ever seen because Washington State, they didn't play bad offense. Nobody in this game played defense. I mean, Washington State kind of played it in the first half. UCLA kind of sort of played it at the end. But really, I thought Washington State just got super tight. They were just suddenly dropping balls that they weren't dropping. Anthony Gordon was throwing the ball a little bit wild, where before he was
1: like perfectly accurate. Um, yeah, if he was accurate, he would have had more than nine touchdowns, you know?
0: Yeah, if he'd just been sharp. No, but that's the thing. That's the thing. If he'd had a sharp second half, they would have scored 80. Like, no no kidding. UCLA's defense was doing nothing in this game, and it looks deceptive because it looks like they did something in the second half. They didn't do anything. They didn't. All they did, so in the first half, they blitzed a little bit more, which was wildly unsuccessful, and then in the second half, they dropped eight, which was, like, marginally more successful. Yeah.
1: Well, that crazy – so there was like that four-minute, 20-second run where they put 29 points on the board. Like That <laughs> that seemed to be like, okay, this is different. I mean, UCLA had scored, what, 42 points all year? or yes. I think that was – think it 42 was 40. points. Yes, it's 14 times three, Ryan. And then the, – yeah, 14, 14, 14. Nice. And then they do – they beat that in the second half uh-huh. alone. Uh, absolutely crazy. You, like you said, the first punt return since 2005 um, – Washington State, I thought, tackling was poor, especially in the second half. I think that helped a lot of it. You know, turning the ball over is not a real big deal. But even when UCLA scored at the end of the game, they scored with a minute left. And you're like, that's way too much time. Like there, there's, <laughs> And somehow, you know. They got a strip
0: sack from Keyshawn Looser South in his first game back from suspension.
1: Oh, that's, that's a look, big one. Looking
0: a little husky.
1: Looser he South. was a little bigger. Yeah, yeah,
0: he looked like he'd maybe not been... You know, doing a lot of the cardio stuff,
1: but that's the defense. You know, so the sack fumble pretty much ends it there. Um, the so it's the third largest comeback in NCAA history, thirty-two points, and they were yeah, they it, were part of the thirty like the Texas A&M. Was the was Texas a was the
0: second biggest, I think. So third,
1: yeah, so insane. But six turnovers. I, Dennis Dodd tweeted some this morning. I thought you'd like. Uh, so he said more than a quarter of all the plays in the game. So there was 157 plays. More than a quarter of them were explosive plays, ten yards or more. And more than a third of Wazoo's plays this season, 33.8% have gone for at least 10 yards. That's up from 22.6%. So a third of the time when Washington State plays go more than 10 yards. like it's That's absolutely crazy.
0: Well, this is – and I, I do want to highlight something about Washington State because their season is definitely not done with that offense. Um, that is the most explosive I think I've seen a Mike Leach offense. Um, typically, they're – Kind of, I mean, if you think about them more as a, like, what you would think about from an efficiency level as a running team, they make more sense if you think about them like that. Like, they're typically dinking and dunking down the field. This one's explosive. And yeah. I think it's all due to those receivers. I mean, I came away, so I came into that game thinking they've got maybe the most talented top to bottom receiving core that Mike Leach has had. And I came out of it thinking they might even be better than that. Um, they need to work on their ball security for sure. But from like an athletic standpoint, Desmond Patman and Aesop Winston, not to mention Tay Martin, but those two guys are burners. Yeah. And Patman is also big. He's like 6'4", 220, and he can really race. I mean, he was beating Darnay Holmes down the field. Um, th- that team can do some stuff. I-, I think this one was a perfect storm or an imperfect storm or whatever you want to call it. Um, Washington State did everything wrong after a while defensively, and then they also just got a little bit off offensively, um, but they should have scored 80. Yeah. Like they, th- This was a game where they easily could have had 11 <laughs> passing touchdowns. Um, <laughs> they fumbled the ball in really weird situations, and I do want to note something, because I know Washington State fans are going to be a little bit better about it. There was a really BS fumble, um, and it wasn't the ones that people are thinking about, the review ones, but the one, they held up a Washington State receiver right around the first down marker, and it should have been forward progress. Uh, Like He he was held up for such a long time, and the refs never blew it dead. Um, That one, there's no reason that should have been a fumble. Um, I thought the other ones were more or less legitimate. Um, The last one they overturned, I wasn't expecting them to overturn, but watching it on replay, the the ball was coming out, but usually in that situation, the refs wouldn't have overturned it. Yeah. no, there was there was a lot of a lot of nonsense in this football game.
1: Anthony Gordon nine TD passes, so he beat the the program record uh, of Gardner Minshew, who said it last year with seven. Mm-hmm. He had that in the first half, uh, I think it was the first half or the third quarter. It was just put point in the third quarter, but it's a Pac twelve record nine touchdown passes. So, um, and he's not the offensive player of the week, you know. And frankly,
0: like justifiably, because Dorian Thompson Robinson was incredible in that second yeah. half. He. So at one point in the th- uh in the fourth quarter it, it it died down a little bit after that but at one point in the fourth quarter he was I think averaging 15 yards per attempt and it wasn't like it was few attempts like th- it, that was well over like 400 yards at that point. He ended at 13 and a half um but this was by far the best game of his life. Yeah. Um just really exceptional.
1: Pretty crazy stuff. All right, so that was uh that was our number uh, 11 team now but uh, Washington State dropped to number six. So they're our number six team. Um, We'll go with that. Our number 10 uh, team was hosting... Stanford Cardinal. They're hosting our new, now number one team. Oregon Ducks.
0: I like the number one. I think Oregon's justified there. Stanford should be number 12. If you're taking all of the previous history with Stanford out of the equation, this by far looks like the worst team in the world. Yeah,
1: it's hard. I mean... It's Stanford, though,
0: so that's why they're not. But they look but, so broken. Yeah. Like, the entire thing looks broken. So I watched quite a bit of this game, um, and what stood out to me was that Oregon left a lot out there. Uh, they should have they had quite a bit more against Stanford. I thought, you know, what I, one thing I noticed, and I'm interested to hear if uh, Oregon fans agree, um, one thing I've noticed with C.J. Verdell as a runner, he doesn't appear to have great vision. Um, he's seem seemingly pretty athletic, pretty fast. Um, but, but, I saw so many opportunities where if he'd just taken a cutback lane and it wasn't like, you know, dude watching at home, yeah, he should have taken that lane <laughs> off the left, but like where he had a lot of space to, to hit a different crease. And it seems like he's just kind of running to his line and just running where the play is supposed to go all the time and i wonder if anybody else in the in the oregon fan base is seeing Hithla that day, let us know yeah hit day let me know what you think um cuz there seemed to be opportunities that were there i don't think the offensive line had a good game or a very or a very good game but it seemed like he was missing missing them quite a bit um the story of this one i thought was just oregon's defense and uh, stanford's um completely inept offensive Oof. attack it's so bad and this is something i cited last week against ucf but stanford has so many long, long developing pass plays that are designed to throw the ball directly across the field for a three-yard gain. And it's just like, <laughs> this isn't even an NFL offense. It's just it's just garbage, where if you execute it perfectly, you're still probably going to need to use some fourth downs to convert. Like, yeah. there's these plays, so many other offenses in college football, the plays are designed to be explosive. Yeah, They're designed to go 10-plus yards all the time. Stanford's are just don't look like they're designed that way. Yeah. They look like they're designed to get you four and a half <laughs> yards if they're executed perfectly, <laughs> and it's just insane to watch this offense. Um, KJ Costello was not good, but it also was the case that like that offense is just not good. Yeah, um, and their offensive line didn't play particularly well. Uh, Cameron Scarlett, you know, he put up some yards, but again, I'm just struck by how little he can really make happen just of his own individual ability um in this offense but Stanford was completely inept like they couldn't generate anything offensively and it wasn't like Oregon outgained them by a ton but total yards really doesn't tell the story Stanford gained um uh what is it here uh 234 yards on 63 plays Oregon gained um 320 but it was on 54 plays yeah so slightly more explosive and just shutting down that Stanford offense much more consistently, but I thought Oregon should have won by quite a bit more. They did cover, which is important for us. They did. Yeah. There was a
1: 10 point spread and they covered. It was uh 21 to six. Um, J- yeah. KJ Costello, six of 30, 120 yards in a pick. Like that's pretty anemic. Like that's not, uh, Oh, he wasn't six of 30. He was uh, six. I'm sorry. 16, 16 of 30. 30. Sorry. Six of that.
0: 30 for 120 would be kind of crazy. That actually. would be, yeah. <laughs>
1: That'd be Dorian Thompson. Robinson, like, yeah. Um, Yeah, 16 of 30. But just, you know, like you said, just just small plays that weren't really going anywhere. Uh, Oregon hasn't allowed a touchdown in the last three games. So that's kind of nuts. Now, you know, they played Auburn first. But after that, they haven't allowed a touchdown. Three touchdowns for Justin Herbert. Two of them went to uh, Jacob Breland, So they seem to have a pretty good connection right now. This is the first time Oregon's won their conference opener since 2014. And they had lost three straight to Stanford. You know they're not very good away from home. They had lost 15 of their last 20 games away from uh, from Autzen Stadium. Is which that bad? Is, it's, that's not good. So all of this, yes, I think it could have been worse. They could have beat them you know, by more. But with all those things kind of going against Oregon, just to get a win on the road against a team that's been beating you, yes, I know Stanford's down, but I thought that was really important. And then there, you know, there's some more tough road games coming up for Oregon. So maybe it's good to get this one kind of out of the way. And then figure out kind of what's going, uh, you know, what you got to do going forward. But rough, rough one for for Stanford. I'm, I mean, this game we'll preview next. You know, the next game they got coming up is a uh, is a pretty big one. So they'll, we'll see who's really going to be the uh, number 12 team in no, our power rankings. We will I
0: figure out number 12 here pretty quick. Um, unless, you know, UCLA could always sneak back into that conversation with a with a tasty performance against Arizona. Um, and I will just, I, I do want to shout out Justin Herbert. I thought he played really, really well in this game. Um, yeah. He was sharp, throwing the ball really well. Um, and with a receiving core that is down a lot of dudes, I thought he,
1: he really showed up well. Um, and they, uh, special teams, pretty good for Oregon too. Five of their punts went inside the Stanford 15. So that, they really put Stanford in these rough, Spots a lot of times. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you have to execute a four and a half yard offense perfectly <laughs> in an eighty yard drive, that's a whole different thing. Yeah,
1: and even like longer than that, which is kind of. <sighs>
0: Stanford. Stanford's got to make a change in offensive coordinator at the very least. After yeah. The season, what do right? they have, to Pritchard? It's right? Still Tavita Pritchard, yeah. but they've got to. I think at this point they might be forced to modernize a little bit because it's just uh, maybe they could do it if they got somebody really good at running that thing, or maybe they could hire what was it, Bloomergren back away, but. I don't know.
1: It's you know. And I, David Shaw. Afterwards, I think some of the comments were just like, "Hey, you can't panic. You gotta, you know."
0: It they, looks like trash. Like it looks so bad.
1: It just doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look like what we're used to seeing for Stanford. So, I don't think it's good for the conference to have Stanford be terrible. But they gotta they gotta do something a little different.
0: Well, Bloomgren's currently owned Fort at Rice and went two and eleven last year. So maybe he'll be available. He
1: could come back. Um, all right, our number nine team, Arizona Wildcats. They had a bye. Yeah. So nothing, uh, you know, nothing too exciting there. All right, this is a big one. Uh, so this is uh, our number eight team, Arizona State Sun Devils, <laughs> and uh, they're took on our number seven team, Colorado Buffalo. <laughs> I know
0: UCLA beat Washington state in like dramatic insane fashion, but this might've been a more unexpected result for me from the weekend. Cause I could have seen a scenario where Washington state does something weird at home, right? Like it's a Mike Leach team, but Colorado beating Arizona state 34, 31. uh, This this was very unexpected for me. And especially the score. If Colorado had won a game that was like 13 to 10, I'd be like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, but Arizona State's defense giving up 34 points to Colorado's offense, especially with LaViska Chenault getting hurt, is absurd to me. Um, I, it looked like a horrible game plan for Arizona State against this offense. Um, I'm sure Chris Cartman has a much more in-depth breakdown, but it just looked like they did not have the right stuff in place, and I know Danny Gonzalez after the game uh, kind of took it on himself that this was kind of on him, um, but there's no way. I mean, that defense that was just so good against Michigan state has been so good all year, giving up 34 points. And it was a a strong, it wasn't a fluky 34 points. I mean, they did give up over 460, 470 yards, um, on 70 plays. I mean, they gave up a really, (laughs) a strong amount of yards in this one. Um, and you know, I thought Jaden Daniels was good. I thought he had maybe his first real kind of freshman moments. His pick was a pretty bad one. Um, but this was this was completely on the ASU defense. I, I thought the offense played more than well enough to win. Um, and for Colorado to do this with LaVisca Chenault out. And I think Mustafa Johnson got hurt as well. He's,
1: yeah, he went down with an ankle injury early on. So basically the best player on offense and defense for Colorado would, were out early.
0: Yeah, so this is, I, I, I thought, very bad for Arizona State. I do want to, I mean, look, we've got to shout out one major thing in this game, which is Mel Tucker wearing shorts. <laughs> Which was first, sweet as hell. Like it was a good look for my man. Second, he's got to wear shorts in every game from here on out, right? Why not? Yeah. I mean, Colorado in the winter. What better time to wear shorts? <laughs> um, but Colorado. I, I mean, this is this is clearly a team that's not going to win two games this year, Ryan. Wouldn't nope, you say? Would that's you say they? Would you say they're going to win more than two games? I, I would, since they already have. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so since they've already won more than two, you'd say probably not going two and ten this year
1: no i don't think they're gonna okay but i did get this one right unlike you so you did
0: you did Right, but only because you're you understand the herm which is he will never win nor lose a game by more than one score
1: right uh yeah i mean the kent state game they did but other other games no no but that's not a real game yeah that's against some max real games are gonna be close yeah Yeah. so if the spreads you know spread was 14 two weeks ago the spread was seven and a half i'm like no way um, I mean, a little surprised. I thought, I, I just felt like Colorado could keep it close. And when you watch, we get to watch these, and you watch these games, and you're like, yeah, but ASU wasn't really convinced on the offense working uh, as well. But they, you know, I thought Gene Daniels played a lot better in this game. Uh, but you knew Colorado still has that explosive potential. And without, you know, LaVisca Chennault, they went to Tony Brown. Who was originally he was at Texas Tech, I think, when he his first started his career. But three touchdowns for Tony Brown. Stephen Montez at 377 yards. Um, so it's, I mean, they came out and played well. I think the, the Colorado offense played better than I thought they would against this ASU defense. But I thought the game would be close no matter what. This was Colorado's first road win against a ranked team in 17 years. So big deal. There, uh, Colorado had 24 points at halftime. And Arizona State had only given up 21 points all season. So Colorado eclipsed what Arizona State had given up all season by halftime. Um, There was a weird, like, roughing the holder call late in this game, too. Like, Arizona State got that. I mean, there's some weird stuff that happened. But I think Colorado went with tempo, and I think that helped them throughout this game to kind of counter some of the stuff that the Arizona State defense was doing. But the tempo seemed to work. Uh Tony Brown obviously had a go on with Steven Montez and uh they put up some some big points against their, you know, one of the better defenses we've seen in the Pac 12 so far.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I would also note, I think the offensive line has generally been so we were worried about the offensive line for ASU at the start of the year. Those first couple of games, they looked really bad. Um figured it out, I think, against Michigan State, that they just need to have Cole Cabral at center center. Yeah. And I, I didn't notice nearly as many issues in this game. So that's that's a positive. Obviously, season's not over for ASU, and obviously, season's not over for Colorado. Um, yeah. Both teams are three and one. Uh, it's just basically the playoff picture is you know <laughs> is is narrowing for the Pac-12. Undefeated well, teams dropping like flies. Yeah,
1: three of the four undefeated teams uh, lost, so not uh, not ideal. All right, so that was our um, our eight and number eight and number seven teams. Number six is Washington State. We already talked about them. Are uh, number five team utah Utes. they were on the road taking on what is now our number four team and this is on a friday night usc trojans all right so
0: i only watched um highlights of this one after the fact so i'm gonna let you take the floor because i was flying out here just to record this podcast with you i was taking time out of my friday night to fly across the country to prepare the last three days for this show awesome um I'll tell you what USC won thirty to twenty three. Um, they did it with their third string quarterback Matt Fink uh, because Keaton Slovis went down with an injury. He did, um, and uh, it certainly sounds as if Matt Fink performed well.
1: He did. It was, uh, it was a little different. So it was the second play of the game, Keaton Slovis uh, gets sacked. And, well, he did get sacked. He uh, got hit as he was delivering the football. It was a completed pass to Alman Ross Rose Brown. And he went out with concussion uh, syndrome. We're not sure uh, what if it, his status is going to be for their game against Washington, but that means Matt Fink comes in, and and behind Matt Fink, because Jack Sears is already in the transfer portal, you have walk on. So they are down to their last scholarship quarterback. So, uh, but yeah.
0: anybody can execute this thing. It pretty you, much you, you probably
1: could. That's what I've been saying when people would say, "Well, this guy's better, this guy's better." I'm like, it's just a. I mean, they, they ran such a poor scheme before. This one's better. And all of the quarterbacks look pretty good doing it in practice. So you Because I'm a- not
0: sure that Matt Fink throws a harder ball right-handed than you do left. <laughs> and for him to go out there, so I didn't watch this game, so I can't even say. But for him to go out there, my mom, who watched this football <laughs> game, was like, who's that boy? Who's that boy who played, who played quarterback after Keaton Slovis went down? He's really good. And I'm like, you talking about Matt Fink to me? I watched Matt Fink's ball get blown down by the air at at Redondo Beach when he was in high school. Like, a a strong breeze knocked his ball off flight. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I I look at his stats. 21 of 30 for 351 yards? Okay, first, okay. Obviously, the offense is pretty good, and it's, like, well-designed and all that stuff. Utah, what are you doing that you're giving up 351 yards through the air to Matt Fink?
1: It's uh it was it was kind of crazy and I, I think Utah this so Utah's good. we know they're good. BYU's not as good. We saw Utah smoke them we saw Washington. Right. well, we'll talk about that in a little bit um but what they did was they had a strategy they're like okay, USC's wide receivers are better than our DB so we're gonna drop eight guys in the coverage and we're gonna do something different. Utah I think was a little bit David Shaw y stubborn like we're really good now we're going to do what we do and they played man coverage to start the game and just got absolutely torched then they had to went this kind of more of a soft zone thing and change it up a little bit but they they needed to do they needed to take a page out of the BYU playbook but I think they just felt like they're and and I to me just it was over like, this was an overrated group of DBs like I the the best uh, so I, I, they got I think expo- I think USC exposed. The there's DBs. a couple
0: of position groups in the Pac-12 that have the argument for this is the best thing going in the Pac-12. In that conversation is the USC receiving core. Yeah. Um like just not even just the best receiving core in the Pac-12, but this might be the best position group regardless of anything in the Pac-12. Thinking you're going to man up against it's not even just that they're all very good, they're also mismatchy. Like Michael Pittman is 64 but also runs super fast and can jump over you and do all kinds of stuff and he kind of likes to hit people too like he's <laughs> he's a big tough guy but he's also super athletic and good that's not that's not fun to go against you got Tyler Vaughn who has hands like glue that you just and he can make ridiculous catches he's not like the most athletic guy in the world no. but he's pretty athletic he's and good smooth. true yeah yeah I'm on Ross and Brown who's just going to blow you away it's just, you know, you don't want to deal with that. So don't don't man up against them. no Nobody do
1: that. Not even, like, don't do that if you're Oregon. don't Just don't do it. Even Cal. Like, Cal's got the best group. I'm curious to see what that... That'll be a fun one to watch, that Cal DBs versus USC wide receivers. But, but like, just put a few extra ones back there. Play a little bit of zone. It's fine. Utah, though, just made so many mistakes. Like, I have the stat sheet right here. It's pretty much worthless because Utah won the game on the stat sheet, except mm-hmm. the scoreboard. And... You know, time of possession. USC couldn't run the ball. To, they had negative yards like late until the fourth quarter. Uh, Utah had so many penalties. Like Utah, Utah was moving the ball well, and they would keep getting these offensive penalties. There was lots of holds, and the Pac-12 refs were just throwing flags like crazy. It was
0: were they butchering the game, or were they like legitimate calls?
1: I mean, that, there were some legitimate ones, but there was there was a lot of butchering and stuff going on yeah. too. Where it was just uh, it was my man Mothershed, wasn't it? He was, you know, and it was funny. He was not listed – he wasn't listed on the our sheet that he was going to be yeah. the, the referee, and he would actually come out to a lot of USC practices this fall to, like, you know work the practices and stuff, and he was, like, this late substitution and all the early flags were going against Utah. And you're like, hmm, is there something <laughs> like – what's going on here? Like, why is this late sub on, on a referee coming in? But there was – but then you look at it, like, there was a bunch of holds, like – USC played BYU the week before, and there was all kinds of holds that nothing was called. They were calling pretty much everything uh, on this one. And, and you look at him like, yeah, that guy got held and stuff. But um, it Utah made a lot of mistakes. And I think some of it was just, are you ready for primetime? Um, you know, you're the favorite coming in there. Utah's always really good when you're not expecting them to be good. Now they were the number 10 team in the country. They were the favorite in the game. And USC kind of came out and just, punched him in the mouth. And the, the offense wasn't really air-raidy. It was more like hero ball from what we've seen before. Like, just throw it up to the wide receivers down deep and let them go make plays. There was one pretty bad pick that Fink threw. Could have been a couple other potential ones, but a lot of times he just he threw it up there and let him make a play. He didn't get to use his athleticism as much. There was a couple times he got away. One of them maybe the craziest play where it was like a blitzer came right up the middle. Fink got away where... JT Daniels or Slovis wouldn't have got away and he rolls out and then he hucks one up to St. Brown who's double teamed and he makes a crazy catch in the end zone. So it was Sam Darnold esque, where he, like it was a sack that turned into a touchdown. Um, so there wasn't a ton of those plays, but you could see that potential, uh, in him. So, it, but I mean, you, you like they were, the, they looked like the better team, but they didn't win the game. Wow. So, all right. I don't know, we'll see what we'll see what happens with the Utes. They got to bounce back, but that's a that's tough in the Pac-12 South because that's, you know, those are the two favorites and you lose that game, it's like a tiebreaker. USC's now 2 and 0 in conference. Um, you know, and Utah's going to have to come back and, you know, hope that USC I mean they can definitely lose some games. Oh, but,
0: USC's down for a few losses. Yeah, come there's on. some
1: stuff, but that was a that was a big one. And the okay, so the craziest thing is you have The Fox crew was there doing their their big kickoff show. So you had Reggie Bush, you had Matt Leinart, and you had Urban Meyer all in like the end zone. So like Clay Helton would be coming off the field and doing like the interview in the tunnel, and like literally ten yards behind him, like was literally looking over his shoulder was Urban Meyer. Like USC's next head coach. Yeah, like. And there was people. There was a lot of Reggie Chance. There are some USC fans that don't like Reggie because of the sanctions and stuff, but most of them do. Um, all the players love him, and they're still trying to. They don't. The, the NCAA doesn't let USC associate with Reggie Bush, so his jersey isn't there. Marquis step at the end of the game, runs in a touchdown, and runs right to Reggie Bush, and they try to dab up or whatever, whatever the kids say, and they're trying to, you know. And a referee comes in and like stops it from happening, like no, and gives him a penalty for coming in to do that. Like if it was going to be Matt Leiter or something like Leiter did that, I think, uh, against Texas a few years ago, Deontay Burnett scored yeah. and like Deontay gave him the ball. They're, they're, no one cared, but because it was like Reggie Bush and they're like, "Oh, you can't have Reggie Bush around here. Um, so, but, it, but the players all love him, and Marquis step went right to him, And it was pretty funny, uh, that they gave him a penalty on that one.
0: That is pretty great. That is but yeah, great. but have
1: urban Meyer sitting there and there were some urban Meyer, like higher urban chance and everything, but it, it was a big deal for Clay Holland because if they were down – I was telling people, like, if they were down – USC was down, like, 21-3 at halftime. I mean, Urban Meyer's right there. Like, you had just to – bring him over. It's, like, literally – And so they came – up. You know, they were winning. They were winning the whole time. So it kind of – He kind of kept the, you know, the natives at bay. Like, they because they would have been just, like, hucking spears. Like, oh, no, get rid of this guy. That would have so, been
0: great. Um, no, it's not. It's, it's great that
1: Clay's going to keep the job. I'm excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to keep the job. I think the BYU game did him in, but that's, you know, it, it definitely helps him that uh, that happened. All right. Those were our four and five teams. Our number three team Washington Huskies. <laughs> They took on BYU
0: and won in convincing fashion. Uh beat the right hell out of BYU forty-five nineteen. Uh this one wasn't close the entire way through. It's
1: a six-point spread too.
0: Like, yeah. And crushing. my man Jacob Eason was sharp as hell in this game. Um he was once again, I, I know I've made this reference a few times, but he was he was doing a Bill Walton for a while there. Um he finished twenty-four of twenty twenty-eight. But he was I remember looking and he was 18 of 19 at one point. Um 24 28 for uh 290 yards. Uh he was really, really, really sharp. Um, but running the ball, they were also good. Um, I love watching the way Richard Newton runs. Um, if you haven't had the chance, he's got he kind of short steps his way through, but he's always keeping his feet moving and he's got a real explosive step to him. Um, so he gets he gets through that hole really quickly, um, and he's a lot of fun to watch, and he's decisive. Uh, but Sean McGrew also played well, and that was really nice to see. Um, you know, we've—I think you've probably met Sean hanging out at St. John Bosco before, but he yeah, he's—he
1: was fun. Like he's like
0: five foot yeah, three. He's a, he's a fun little guy. <laughs> it was so funny. I was pointing it out to like people I was watching the game with. I'm like, watch this running back. Watch this running back. He's like five five. <laughs> and, and then then they're like, no, he's not. No, he's not. And then they would like they did that. You know that what game? What channel was this on? ESPN. They did, like, the pan behind view, and it shows, like, Eason, who's, like, 6'5", statue (laughs) quarterback, and then little Sean McGrew standing right next to him. It was great. Um, They did a much better job against uh, BYU. I thought Zach Wilson still got some stuff done, um, but he wasn't doing anything in the run game. Um, But I thought, you know, Washington's defense, I still think has some stuff to work out, but I thought this was a pretty good showing. Um, They gave up some stuff in the pass attack, for sure, and I think the, the Washington secondary still has some work to do but they got a little bit more pressure in this game than they've gotten before this uh this one um so i thought it was pretty good and and washington's receivers did a much better job in this game than they've done the last two um uh aaron fuller and and andre bocelli both so why do we pronounce that one bocelli do you know why i don't know it's got an a at the end yeah i i i've never heard a name that's what we hear on the... the end is silent
1: yeah shouldn't that just be bocellia i would think Okay. That's what they say on the, the They broadcast. never do it and no. I don't like
0: it. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. Um <laughs> But yeah, this was this was a really, really nice performance for Washington. They had the game well in hand early. Kind of let BYU hang around a little bit. Like it was 24 12 at the half when it really should have been much worse than that. But then yeah. they blew them away in the third quarter and it was over.
1: It was one of those things where just Washington kind of took the lead and and just you could kind of stiff arm them and just keep them at bay. Yeah. And sometimes they're a little further away, sometimes they weren't. Um, three turnovers forced. So completely opposite when USC went in there and turned the ball over three times. Washington wasn't going to make those kind of mistakes, and they didn't let that happen. They scored 14 points off the turnovers. Uh, Eason did have four incompletions, but, you know, against 24 completions. Room, to, been, grow. Room yeah. to grow. Room to grow. He had, you know, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned Aaron Fuller. He had a, he caught a touchdown, but he also had an 88-yard punt return for a TD. Uh, Salvan Ahmed didn't make the trip. But the other two running backs, like you said, I think they each average one average like five yards of carry, one average six yards of carry. Honestly,
0: so. I'm more impressed watching both of those guys than I ever really was watching Ahmed. I mean, I, I know he's like a he was a highly rated recruit and he's a fast guy, but I don't know. He's never struck me as as shifty or, or a playmaker in the way that these guys are. Um, now, maybe that's a ignorant statement. Maybe some Washington fan is was going to blow me up, but I thought. Honestly, I've been impressed with Newton all year, and I thought McGrew really showed some stuff in yeah. this game.
1: I bet. I mean, ahmed has got that speed, though. We'll see. Um, you know what? If, if he's able to go, we don't know what his status is for this this coming week. There was a weird like Washington tried like a fake field goal. This is one of those things where maybe oh, you left points, like from the five, and it looked it looked awful.
0: It it was broken from the jump, but also um, one of the receivers missed a bad block on the edge that probably would have it would have at least made it a bang bang thing at the goal line, but it just didn't look right from the start. Like somebody blew through the right side of the line. Um, also I wonder, I didn't read anything about it afterwards, but I wonder if it was an automatic based on the look they got, you know, sometimes they'll build that into special teams where there'll be, you know, if you get this look on a punt, just throw the, throw the ball because you're, you're not covered or whatever. I wonder if it was something like that. I didn't notice it live, but maybe there was something because it looked like maybe some guys weren't all on the same page. Um, because they blew through the line pretty quickly, like on the right side of the line. It was blown up from the beginning. Um, And then, but yeah, it was, it was not a great fake. Uh, But if, if it, even with the blow through on the right side, if it had been blocked correctly, there was still a chance he could have made it in.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, the big win, it's a good win for Washington. Um, So we've seen BYU play good, play bad. That's kind of what they do. Sometimes they play well. Sometimes they're, they're up and down. Um, All right, this is now. I didn't. This is not who I had as my number two team. Uh, You know, in in the in honor of Ryan Garcia, I voted these guys number one. But number two, we have
0: California Golden Bears. (laughs) They're they're on their way to not just ten and two, but twelve and zero, baby. Twelve and zero. The sturdy Golden Bears uh, went in to SEC country, and they actually weren't the only Bay Area team to pull out a win in SEC country this Mm. weekend. But they were the only Pac-12 Bay Area team to do it. Um, And they did it, my friend, with offense. I I know that had to make you mad. It made me so mad that they tried to go in there and offense this one. But they did, and they did it successfully. And we might soon not be able to make jokes about this anymore. (laughs) Uh, Chase Garbers was legitimately good. just He was great. Yeah, He had a great first half, got dinged up a little bit but he was great throughout this game. Uh 23 of 35 for 357 yards. That is a clean 10 yards per attempt. Only one interception, four touchdowns. That's like a normal like Pac-12 good quarterback output. <laughs> what is that? They had 433 yards of the the of O-word offense. of the O-word of offense. <laughs> and their defense still showed up fine. It was okay. I mean, okay, well, okay. Maybe Maybe giving up over 500 yards isn't great, but it was on 86 plays.
1: Yeah, they were out there a lot.
0: They were out there a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's not—it's not great. It's not Cal defensive old, but it's—it's it's okay. Um, Matt Corral, uh, their quarterback, he—he he was dinged up towards the end, and then Ole Miss um, put in their true freshman John Riz Plumley, who was lights out. He was better. Dude was just slinging it running it, doing everything, gets the ball down to the goal line, um and then they're trying to get the ball in. In my mind, so this is down 28-20 and this is in the closing seconds of the game. In my mind, they score that touchdown. Yeah. That was that was a touchdown. I I honestly, it was like every time I watch the Pac-12 refs make a uh, just a horrible blunder call, it feels like somebody who's in like a classroom who's like, "Oh, I know this, this really obscure bit of detail." <laughs> And now I'm going to use it. And it's like, oh, I know when he catches the ball in the end zone, but if he falls out of it that way and the ball never crossed, even if his feet are in the end zone, it's not. And it's like, I know that bit of knowledge, so I'm going to see that even though that is 100% not what's happening here. (laughs) Even though the ball clearly crosses the goal line into this guy's hands, I'm still going to call it this way because I have that obscure bit of trivia in my mind. Um, That was an insane call. And then they didn't review it in the whatever eight to ten seconds they had. First, it should have been a touchdown on the field. Always, always rule a thing: a touchdown instead of not if it's bang bang like that. Yeah. And then just go back and if you have to review it, you have to review it. Be in favor of scoring. Just do that. Um, But second, then it's ten seconds to go, and Ole Miss doesn't have any timeouts. And it's fourth down. So they're they're in this position where they're like, okay, we'll wait, I guess, until one seconds left, and then we just got to go because we got to go. And they go, they don't get it on this like kind of broken sneak play. Evan Weaver comes in again and and bear hugs a dude. Um, And he had a great game, Uh, but it was so broken the entire thing. And obviously they didn't get in on that last one, but the fact that eight seconds elapsed and the PAC 12 review officials in that moment couldn't say, Oh wow, that one was way too close. We absolutely need to get this stopped is crazy to me.
1: Yeah. So this was, so for the second week in a row, a big out-of-conference game, uh, won by the Pac-12 on the road. Pac-12 crew, and we have to invoke that new policy where, hey, if we screw up, we're going to have give you like this video feedback of what what went on. And according to the Pac-12, uh, they got it right. Um, that they they said that they, uh, you know, could have, you know, uh, they could have reviewed it. They wouldn't like they weren't opposed to reviewing that the third down play. Uh, but that they got the call right, that he didn't get in, and all that stuff. So they they put that out there. The, I know the athletic director for Ole Miss made uh, some statements on Twitter and stuff, and they yeah. were pretty pissed off. I watched the beginning of the Paul Feinbaum show this morning before I came in, and and they, he did, I mean, they kind of said what you did, like that's a touchdown. This Pac-12, and he, they just just they they don't even look at the Pac-12 as like a real thing. They're just like they are so awful, and they you know this is just what you expect of the Pac-12. How terrible they are, and. uh you know, and you you read John Wilder, and he's like, I think they got it right, and uh, you know, to me that looked like a touchdown too. Like his ninety percent of his body was in the end zone. Uh, it just seemed like for his for the ball not. And I,
0: I don't think I'm not sure if they even showed a good angle of it live, or even I think they didn't get into the replay process there, and I didn't bother to look afterwards. But like, I don't even know how watching that live, you would call that not a touchdown. Yeah, like and maybe it turned out that it wasn't. I don't know. His hands didn't appear to be outstretched over the goal line, which is what it would require for the ball. Like, w- upon the catch, it didn't look like he was outstretched over the goal line. So, I don't know. I didn't see the uh, the end zone cone angle, which I'm sure they had on that game. But, yeah, that wasn't good.
1: But this is a good scenario for the Pac-12. I mean, you get the win, which is a big deal. But when you, like, if the Pac-12, if Oregon gets screwed playing Washington or whatever, Stanford gets screwed playing Cal, that's one thing. But... Michigan state gets screwed or old miss gets screwed. Like that gets people's attention and that gets a lot more pressure on the PAC 12 too. And so this is the whole reason you have this, you know, the committee and all that stuff. They're trying to figure out the PAC 12 officiating woes. And uh, so that's pretty much the best case scenario. Like you want that, you want the you want to make the sec mad. And then, you know, they're going to get a lot of complaints and they're like, man, we really, but we should fix this stuff at some point. Um, I saw a tweet that was pretty funny. And I guess you could hear this on the broadcast, and they tweeted the video out for this. Um, someone during part of the broadcast, you could hear someone in the crowd uh, yell, F you, communist mother effers, in the background. So some old Miss fan was basically calling Cal Bears communist mother effers, which is uh, it's pretty classic. Yeah. That so somehow very- that snuck past the F- FCC. That was very great. Uh, but yeah, good stuff there. Um but good for Cal. Cal's the lone undefeated team in the Pac-12. And I, that's why I had him number one. Did you You have Oregon still number one?
0: I would probably have Oregon number one from an eye test perspective. Um, but Cal would be top three. I didn't do my power rankings this week. Um,
1: well, here's the thing. like Cal's got the best conference win. They they won at Washington. Do they have the best out-of-conference win? I mean, is, is there a better one than Ole Miss? Is Michigan State a better... Out of conference win, BYU is probably not better. I don't know. I to me, it's a pretty good win. Yeah. What am I? Am I missing other ones that are good? That, those
0: are, Michigan State? Um. Yeah, I can't think of any off top.
1: Um, yeah, Washington State didn't play anybody. Utah played BYU. Arizona,
0: Texas Tech. Texas Tech's not that good. Um.
1: Yeah. Colorado, Nebraska. Yeah, the Nebraska one, that's all right. But yeah, I, I would still say that you know, playing at Old UCLA,
0: Miss and, one of their non conference wins. Okay.
1: <laughs> Why <laughs> didn't you say Washington State had to play like an FCS school? <laughs> <And that> was, <laughs> yes. like, they do they just struggle with those early in the season. They so really that's do. what they did They'd with really UCLA. Do. All right, that was our number two team, and we already talked about number one, uh, Oregon. So let's take a quick break. And uh, we'll come right back and uh, preview the upcoming games. All right, we're back here on the podcast ch- of Champions. The, the What did I call it? The pod? I don't know what you were doing there. We're only like an hour in, and we have some games to preview, and we have some games to pick, obviously. And then we got a lot of questions from the crazy listeners who uh, sent in a bunch of stuff so we'll we had a lot of questions that came in before the games and then a lot of questions that came in after the games so maybe we'll try to do the before the games ones a little faster and do more about post game stuff cuz yeah probably that, does that make sense probably uh all right well let's uh let's start off so we have one uh friday game and this will be Arizona State Sun Devils <laughs> And California
0: Golden Bears. All right, so this one's on at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Arizona State traveling to Cal. Cal is favored by five points. Ooh. So, all right, so Arizona State, last game, their defense kind of got a little out of whack. Do we think that is what Arizona State is, and the non-conference was a mirage, or do we think that was just kind of a one-off? One weird game where their defense just kind of didn't look quite right, and they're going to be able to hold down the now mighty Cal offense. That's really the question here.
1: Yeah, this is uh, – I'm curious because we saw Colorado put up some points. We've seen Cal put up some points. This is a under a touchdown, so that's in the range of the Herm stuff.
0: Yeah, so you could go either way on this
1: one. I could. I think I'm going to – I think I'm gonna roll with the Golden Bears. I I'm, I'm go I, with am, Cal.
0: I am I'm going sturdy Golden Bears. Nice. Yeah. No. This is this is California's time. They are on their march to between 10 and two and 12 and 0, we, and we will not stop them here. So
1: what what record does Cal have to have for us to get Ryan Gorsey to come on the show? Where do where do we call? 10 and, 10 and
0: 2 is the magical Ryan Gorsey number. So if, we, if if they go ten if they're if they're at ten wins at any point in this season, even if it's in the bowl game, if they hit the number ten, Ryan Gorsey's coming on the show. We
1: got to come, and he doesn't even cover. No, K.L. we're but just going to talk to Ryan. He's a, he's a baseball writer now.
0: I want to hear all everything that Ryan has to say about. Cal. Yeah,
1: that'll be good. All right, uh, okay. So that's uh, it. Should be a good one. That's Friday night. That's on ESPN. Friday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you watch that. I'll be traveling. I'm going up to. Uh, well, I guess we're going to talk about that right now. I'm going up to Seattle this weekend. But our our next game, it'll be the, uh, the early game on Saturday. We have USC Trojans. On the road taking on Washington Huskies.
0: So this one was like a little bit less interesting a couple of weeks ago and suddenly is now more interesting again. Because yeah. you've got Washington, which is not quite in control of its own destiny in the Pac-12 North, but, you know. Basically, is going to require Cal losing a game, which okay, we just talked about it. That's, that might, that might be difficult this year, but uh, USC, which is in control of its own destiny in the Pac-12 South, so this is um, you know a potential uh, Pac-12 title game. Twelve thirty on Fox, twenty-one USC going against seventeen Washington. Washington is nine and a half point favorites. Ooh, it started at eight. It started at eight. It's moved to nine and a half. Uh, do we have any word on Keaton Slovis?
1: So we're supposed to find out more on uh, Tuesday after practice. Uh, my guess is he's not going to play. it's going to be Matt Fink. So I, I think it's going to be Fink going up there. He's you know, in concussion protocol, um, I, I don't even know how much he's going to be able to practice this week, So even if he would be available, like he wouldn't have been able to practice all week, my guess is David's going to be uh, Matt Fink. So what does that tell you? What are you thinking? To me, oh, is this your strategy And going to let me pick first now? No, uh, no,
0: I would never do that to you.
1: Well, I've told you I'm not picking USC for the rest of the season, so I'm going to take Washington. Um, I feel like Washington's going to do a better job defensively and not allow just hooking up balls to the wide receivers to make big plays. Uh, USC's run game has been anemic. Everyone else that played BYU ran the ball at five or six yards a clip. USC is not, wasn't able to get close to that. Um, when they put Marquis Step in, he's running really he he runs well, but they don't like to put him in until the end of the game or you know to finish up some drives. I just feel like on the road they're a different team. Um so and I like the way Washington's playing right now. I'll take uh it's a lot of points. I feel better with eight, but uh it's under, you know, it's still two scores. I'm gonna take Washington uh and lay the nine and a half.
0: I will do the same. Um I think Washington is probably a more complete team even if there's nothing quite as exceptional as uh as uh, USC's uh receiving core and um just you know that that quarterback situation I just I don't see it continuing to play out very well for USC
1: so it's yeah. going to be tough I I mean Matt Fink I like him a lot I think he's got a lot better since he came to USC um he's just kind of waited his time. He was in the transfer portal. Like he was literally in it. His dad told the LA times he's going to Illinois where three other USC players have gone. And then he came back and uh, now he's going to play. He's probably going to get his, I'm I'm guessing he's going to get his first start um, in this one. So, but it was, you know, for him to be, you know, to win that game and be sitting on the stage next to Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart, like, he was like in you know it was like crazy, but this I think this is going to be a little bit different story, especially away from home. Clay Elton's not had a great uh, record away from home, so right. All right, uh, then we go our next game. This is really I mean, early. I is this early candidate for a game of the year in the Pac-12? I'm I'm thinking it is. We have Stanford Cardinal and Oregon State Beavers.
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. This is this is my personal uh, Rose Bowl. Um, hmm. This is on at 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Stanford traveling to Oregon State. And I'm going to blow you away. Are you sitting down? I'm currently sitting down. Stanford is a three-point road favorite. Wait, what? A three-point road favorite over a team that is clearly better than them. Give me Oregon State uh. all day. Every day, all day, every day. I think Oregon State wins this by 10. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not even being facetious. I think they win this by 10. Stanford looks like butt, like absolute butt. And it's so bad that even like the advanced stats that are still incorporating preseason projections. So Bill Connolly, his SP plus numbers, right? Yeah. Oregon State's ahead of Stanford. So even in the advanced stats that are, you know, maybe would still be holding on to some preseason projections. Stanford has dropped like a rock. They look so bad. Oregon State is going to win this game. Yeah,
1: I agree with you. Do you remember 2017, week nine? It was a Thursday night. KJ oh. Costello was mysteriously on the bench. Stanford won 15 to 14. I do remember. And that was a much better Stanford team. Much better. This That is baffling that Stanford is favored in this game. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm incensed. I want to write a strongly worded <laughs> letter to
1: Vegas. Well, I think you said this before, too. There are certain – there's games that are going to be easier because Vegas isn't, hasn't caught up to certain – I'm ag-
0: shocked they, they still haven't caught up to how bad Stanford is.
1: Yeah, they should at this point. Because Stanford,
0: they should have been a lot worse against Oregon this week than they were. They got blown out by UCF and a UCF team that just lost to Pitt. And Oregon State, they can actually do some stuff and I, I i really don't think this one's going to be very good.
1: All right. Well, that's a Pac-12 network game. I don't know why. It should that should be Big Fox. Like that's yeah, the one I, you wanna, I, don't, I don't know why. That's yeah. got to work. But luckily it's all by itself. That one's You can watch that. You can hell watch it game. because it's all by itself. You don't have to worry about like, you know, two things going on. Uh, we have a couple of Pac-12 uh, after dark games. It should be an interesting one. We have Washington State Cougars <laughs> and Utah Utes.
0: So this one's on at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Washington State traveling to Utah. Utah is favored by six and a half points at home against the Cougars. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, Washington State, I still think their offense is one of the best things going in the Pac-12. Um, Utah, they their offense is pretty damn good, too, um, as it showed against USC. I mean, they put up... Uh, 200-plus on the ground, 200-plus through the air. Um, defense gave up quite a bit, though. Um, that secondary might be looking to show something after getting torched by USC, but I don't I don't know how <laughs> how good this matchup is for them either, with Eastop Winston and Desmond Patman. I don't like Utah minus 6.5. I think Washington State will cover that. I don't know who wins, but I'll take Washington State in those points.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one, too. I just Washington State's just going to score. like They're going to score. Like, oh, yeah. I, and I, you know, I love the the Utah defensive front, and USC's offensive line isn't great. They couldn't run, but they did a pretty decent job of pass protection a lot of the time. And I, you know, I think that's going to bode well for Washington State's uh, pass game. We saw them, you know, that we, we know Washington State got some good receivers. USC kind of exposed that secondary. Uh, you know, may, will they bounce back and play better? Probably, um, but I feel like six and a half points, and you know, Washington State could just go uh video game on you i uh, uh, i just i can't i can't not take those points so uh it's at home U- utah's a different team at home um but that's a lot of points and i think washington state will score some points so we'll see that we might be completely and utterly wrong on this one but that'll be the first pac-12 after dark
0: game that one feels like an overreaction i think to what washington state did against ucla like it just feels like they're getting a little bit but too much disrespect. Nobody in, like, the advanced stats never love Washington State, um, so I think that kind of plays into their lines sometimes being off.
1: Oh, okay. Where where were they, where does, like, the advanced stats have those two teams ranked?
0: Let then? me see where Washington State is. Washington State this year, I think because their offense is a little bit more explosive than usual, is 23, and Utah is 22 in the SP+. Okay,
1: so. Like Even a, teams that should be, like, a three-point game, not a right, six-and-a-half-point because game. Because it's at home, you give them three points, and, yeah, yeah. so that's you're getting a, you know, there's there's some equity there. You're you're you know you're getting three and a half points or something. So I'll take Washington State, even yeah. though they could uh, lose. All right, and then uh, this one will be interesting too. Uh, we have UCLA Bruins taking on uh, the well rested Arizona Wildcats. That's yeah. the other thing. Oregon State was coming off a bye too, so oh like- man, yeah, no Stanford's done. <laughs>
0: Stanford's going to lose that game by 75 points. Um, uh, UCLA might also lose this game by 75 points. 730 on ESPN, UCLA traveling to the great state of Arizona. Uh, Arizona favored by eight points. Um, mm. Give me those Wildcats first. And second, um, until I see UCLA perform like that when they're not in a you know 32-point hole, I can't buy that the offense is actually what it showed in that second half and not the steaming pile of crap that we saw for most of the first three games now dorian thompson robinson looked a lot better um in that game and he's slowly progressed from the beginning of the season like each game he was making incremental progress and then this last one he made uh, big strides um but if the offense is trash at the beginning of the game again where they're doing that glacial tempo stuff and still trying to work in like seven tight ends into the formation for god knows what reason uh, no, I don't think they're going to do great in this game. Um, and they might not have the luck that they had in this past one. Uh, Arizona, um, like every other team, I think should be able to torch this UCLA defense. Uh, Khalil Tate um, is an equivalent at worst runner to Jalen Hurts. He hasn't shown as much willingness to run, but there's that ability there. Um, and Jalen Hurts really uh, hurt the UCLA <laughs> defense. Do you like that one? Yeah, that was pretty good. Um I need some symbols. My... Uh but Tate and then I think that receiving core for Arizona, it's not great, but they've started to grow a little bit. Um so I like Arizona to cover this. Um I will start to reevaluate UCLA if they win a normal game and not just a bonkers nonsense game. Um but right now I'm I'm still I'm still fading the Bruins, as the gamblers say.
1: I just think in this situation, you know, coming off the bye week, uh I like I like where Arizona is right now um UCLA I think that's going to take a lot out of you like going up there 4 hour game up till and two road games in a row second road
0: game against a team coming off a bye that's not good situational stuff and then combine it with UCLA still hasn't like really looked great i yeah. mean it was like this explosive 20 minutes of football where they were in that clear like time and score situation where we're going to run tempo now I think that should be their base friggin offense where they're <laughs> running tempo and, and doing a lot of eleven personnel, uh, but they they haven't done that as their kind of base offense. So we we can't be guaranteed that's what they're going to realize from that game. So if they don't do that, um, I don't know the execution's going to be there if they're not going against a fatigue defense. Yeah. So there's just a lot going into that that I, I just it's a hard time it's a hard thing for me to say they're going to replicate five fumbles that they recover a hundred percent of.
1: The thing for me is like Arizona's defense was poo, Mm -hmm. and then it got really good. Like they were great against Texas Tech. It got better. It was it was so much better. Like it was really crappy, and then it got a lot better. What you know? What's it going to be like this week? Um, I just kind of feel like they're trending in the right direction, and Arizona could be a dangerous team, and uh, UCLA just kind of fall back down to earth a little bit. So eight, eight points is a lot. But uh, I'll go with that. I think we picked all the same. We didn't pick anything different. Yeah, think. I think that was about right. That means five and zero. I We're know. going five and zero this week. We are going five and zero. Let's do that. Well, I'm not going to make up any ground on you, but I can get over five hundred at least. So let's let's go five and zero in our picks. All right. Um, so those are all, that's a little easier now that we got like five or six games to do instead of twelve or whatever that one week was. It was insane. Should we uh, jump into some questions? Let's do it. So I got the first one pulled up. Uh, who is better? So we'll try to do these quickly, even though some of these are long. Who is better and best? Why? Uh, this is Chris from Seoul. UW dub at BYU game has not been played, as I type. Ryan and Dave, who both picked the Huskies to cover, have already revu- reviewed the game. And this question is read. Uh, as this question is read. It may have escaped mention, but BYU uh, captioned their, Hus- their Husky game as revenge a la beating the Badgers in Camp Randall. Cheeky bastards, even if past and present students are not allowed to use the latter noun, might be a better team name than Cougars. I'm, I'm kind of confused. Am yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. A little lost. Am I reading this wrong? I don't think, okay. Also a suggestion is you want to reduce the podcast by an hour or so. Take the pledge and do not mention or discuss the killer Cs, Chip Kelly or Clay Helton. Only players or team names, if you must, during game reviews and forecasts. Just a crazy idea. But us suffering listeners somehow continue <laughs> to live in hope. Okay. Then he wants us to rank these 12 Pac-12 coaching hires. So hire at the
0: time of hire or how they've performed since
1: then? He didn't say. Um, uh, okay. You want to say? Let's just do how, the, how how it turned out. Okay. So we got Mel Tucker. Okay. We don't know much about that. So far, pretty good, though. Chip Kelly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin Mm Sumlin. Herm Edwards, better than you think. Jonathan Smith, hard to say. Mario Cristobal, pretty good. He's a.k.a. the human most resembling a honey-baked ham. Justin Wilcox, certainly uh, better than you thought of some random defensive coordinator would do. Willie Taggart, no. Clay Helton, no. Gary Anderson, no. Steve Sarkeesian, no. Chris Peterson, uh yes, so I don't know what do you think, Chris Peterson, I would say is number one um
0: uh number two has turned out to be probably Justin Wilcox,
1: maybe, yeah, number
0: three, Mario Cristobal, four herm, four herm uh five um you do Mel
1: Tucker, I don't know,
0: sure, Mel Tucker. <laughs> Six, Willie Taggart? No? Willie Taggart? He loaded that team up with talent? I don't know if I would have put him that high, but... Uh, look, I just want to get to the point where Chip Kelly's at the bottom. I don't really care how we get there.
1: Who do you think is last? you think Chip Kelly? Uh,
0: Gary Anderson, maybe.
1: Gary Anderson, he left... Uh- I mean, you've
0: Gary, Gary Anderson's really bad. Clayton will
1: be in the middle, like a little further towards the bottom because he did win a Rose Bowl. Sark. Sark. I know it would be a
0: popular and funny pick at last, but he wasn't the worst. Um, no. He was middle and, of the pack. And which
1: one? You know, which. Team? Yeah. Which
0: Sark? Sark at Washington or Sark at. Because yeah. Sark at Washington. I mean, that was a big part of how they got out of that 0 and 12 hole. Even if I know Washington fans are screaming right now and I know he was very bad, um, but he at least got them back to average.
1: All right. All right, I think that's close enough. Okay, I tried out your pod uh, on a neighbor who neither speaks nor understands English. She rated it five stars and slightly better than dog barking and gibberish. Slightly below a good cat fight. Great. Thanks, Chris.
0: All right, this is from Ryan. Arizona State win. Uh, oh, this. Sorry, this is from Jake, not from you. Uh, hi, Ryan. This is a question for your Pac-12 podcast. The Pac-12 announced that the referees were in error in the Arizona State game, specifically not calling a penalty on the leap on the missed field goal that ended the game. There is no way that the referees did not see the leap. The only possible conclusion is that they simply did not know the rule. What are the rules on who referees games in non-conference matchups? Has there been any talk about Pac-12 refs not being referees for non-conference games?
1: I think typically you usually take like the the road team's refs, or they not always. I think that, that week was crazy, or the one week where there's like 12 games, like there was definitely fewer good um Pac-12 crews to go around there's not that there's a lot to begin with but some of the out-of-conference games would be crazy but I think mostly you bring in like the out-of-conference um, you know referee so you bring in like the Pac-12 uh, I think when like USC plays Notre Dame sometimes they use ACC refs I think it, it depends I don't know what they're if they're contractually obligated or what the rule is Do you know is there some specific rule or I think it's just the road
0: team generally brings the refs It depends on, I think, the size of the conference, though. I think the major conferences are typically bringing their own
1: refs. Yeah. Uh, But thanks for that question. Uh, No excuses. Uh, This is uh, James, looks like. Well, I finally caught a segment, and Coach Pete, nor any reasonable dog fan, would dare use the rain delay as an excuse for the loss. Cal was a visiting team, experienced the delay, and the crowd was still, albeit considerably small, are predominantly dog and fairly loud. You're completely ignoring the fact that this is... The second year in a row, Washington lost nine to ten starters on defense. Cal may really have a top five D in the nation and arguably the best group of DBs with at least three projected NFL players. Wilcox may have uh, Chris Peterson's number. Cal, quote, out physical them uh, from the first play with a sack, made Easton uncomfortable the entire game, including prior to the delay. Our offensive line dominated, created holes, and our running backs don't go down easily. Weaver was on a mission to cause havoc. Uh, sure, if you play the what-if game, almost all close games. Uh, what if it wasn't snowing last year for the Washington-Washington State? What if a call was made in the ASU-MSU game? What if Oregon managed a clock better against Auburn? What if Cal didn't get robbed out of a TD on the final play of the game? S- uh, season is early, so who knows how good any of these teams truly are, but don't take a win away from Cal and their D. Dogs got punched in the mouth. The emphasis should have been on Washington's offense, or lack thereof, but rather should not... Should not have been on Cal, uh, Washington's offensive lack thereof, but rather Cal's D. No, hashtag no excuses. Hashtag go Bears. Uh, James, thanks for that. I'm going to like lower Cal on my uh, strength rate. Yeah, it rate seems now.
0: obvious now. Um, James, we are not Washington fans, um, so we <laughs> have the ability to say what they're not going to say. And look, a rain delay, we're not saying that it didn't affect both teams equally. It did. But it makes the game weird, right? It's it's one of those things that just adds a little bit of weirdness to a football game. So look, would it have happened if there wasn't a like a nine hour delay in the middle of the game? Maybe. Maybe Cal would have won. But it adds a little asterisk to the whole thing. And I think that's fair. Look, we're we're impartial observers here. I I'm not a Washington fan. They're not even one of those secondary teams I root for when I'm watching. Like the like, Buffs. Like I root for the Buffs. Yeah. And in my heart of hearts, I root for Stanford a little bit. Because I've got, you know, like a, a little a soft spot for that really just archaic offense, and you know I've got that for him. But like Washington, I'm not. That's not. It's not my thing with Washington. Not my thing with Cal. I've got no dog in this fight. But look, a, a, a massive rain delay in the middle of the game is going to affect some people.
1: No pun intended, as well. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, I think you're up next.
0: Yeah. All right, this is from Kevin. Uh, lots of talk about the Chipster and his lack of progress, mostly valid to me. I got to wonder if part of the problem is his stable of horses. Um, I don't know anything about his how many horses he has, I like I, whether he runs the ponies at all. Does he have horses? I don't, I don't think he does. Hmm. I, I, I don't understand your metaphors. They're baffling to me, Kevin. Uh, I get the feeling that of those players who wonder what it's like in the NFL, got quite the taste test against Oklahoma and discovered just how far they have to go to get there. Clearly a mismatch that no offensive scheme or coaching could overcome. That their other losses came against lesser teams is another story. So let's talk about Stanford and why they seem to all of a sudden be rather bad. Dare I say, UCLA-level bad. Okay, so where does the blame go? In a box, there are 10 pieces of blame. How many do you put on Shaw's desk? Where do the others go? On Shaw's desk, how many pieces are on the recruiting corner? Where are their coaching changes? New offensive scheme, Something else? Then what about the players? Are there just no real playmakers? Is the, is the roster being underutilized? I think there is a bit of a parallel to UCLA here. Lack of enough talent. It's simply not sufficient to have playmakers here and there. I'm quite certain UCLA's main problem is, in on, is on the line, more so on offense. Sure, yet even the defensive line could use some upgrading. Hey, if they could play as well as your podcast is entertaining, they'd be champions. Aw, oh, that's you, awesome. That was a very nice thing to say. Um, I think Stanford's issues are manifold, but if I had to peg them, I think they've had some recruiting issues um, specifically on the defensive line. Um, I think that's been a a very weak position for several years and not even so much this year, but I think it's prevented the last few good Stanford teams from really being great. Um, So I think that's been an identifiable issue in recruiting. I think they've actually stopped stocked with pretty good um, receiver talent. I think they probably could have evaluated Cameron Scarlett a little bit better and come up with a better running back. Um, But Looking at all of that, I, I don't think recruiting is the main issue. I think what it is is they have an antiquated offense that I don't know that they have recruited properly for that offense. I think they have offensive linemen. I don't think they've recruited it well enough over the last few I years. I think that's fallen off. Yeah. I think the
1: offensive line, you know.
0: And I've they've got some bodies, and I think if they were running a slightly different scheme, I think they'd be fine. But they're running such a scheme that requires you to have so maybe it is related to recruiting if we're getting down to the bolts of it, they, they were in a scheme where, at its best, it was like doing those plays where they had seven or eight offensive linemen out there. Where That means you've got to be carrying because you want to be redshirting those dudes. And one of these signs is they had to play freshman offensive linemen. Yeah, That's never a good sign for Stanford. You want to be redshirting guys. You want to have probably 18 scholarship offensive linemen in your program at any given time because you might be playing eight or nine of them during the year. Um and they haven't been doing that. So I, I think they don't they kinda got away from what they needed to be doing and maybe got a little bit less um stringent about what they were doing in recruiting. But I, I think it's largely due to um that offense and it not being a good fit for who they have personnel wise
1: now. Yeah. And I think their margin for error just has got has shrunk um with some of those deficiencies on the recruiting side. And you know, even when the defensive lines were good, they would have like one or two NFL guys, but there wasn't a lot of depth there. They would have to kind of play those guys a lot, but I feel like now there was the margin for error has shrunk. And then when you get a few injuries, um, Stanford just is in trouble right now. And that's uh it's, it's not, it's painful to watch and you know, David Shaw is a really good coach, but it's uh it's, it's not working right now. And I know that's got to b- bother him tremendously. He doesn't want to panic, but I, they got to do something different, Dave, because this is not—it's not going in the right direction. This could be a really ugly season for Stanford.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it could be very bad. They're going to lose Oregon State this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think they will. Um, we got to watch that one. All right, we got Jay in New York. Hey Ryan, you mentioned on last week's show that two and two would be a good non-conference record for BYU. I'm curious, how do you think they will do in conference? Enjoy the show and keep it up. So he's, he's nitpicking you. He's saying because they're not, but. Here, Jay. So here's the thing. Those are the f- the four real games. Like they're right. out of, co- you know, those are the, that's just what we're talking about. Yes, they're independent. They're not in a conference, but those are the games that you can schedule with the other Power Five teams. And so that's all I was talking about. But yeah, he's a little nitpicky there. Yeah. But that 2 and 2 is a pretty good start for BYU. So we'll see how they do the rest of the way. Very true.
0: All right. This is uh, Earl in West LA. Uh, oh, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, geez. Uh Tailgate. Dave, you recently stated that tailgating at the Rose Bowl is considered one of the best places to tailgate in the country. I was surprised to hear this as it is off campus and largely on a golf course. I consulted Google, and this is what I found. Your 24-7 Sports Network published an article this past June ranking the 25 best college tailgates. The only ranked Western school on the list are number 22, Utah, number 20, San Diego State. San Diego State? Okay, any list that has San Diego State as a top 25 tailgate is baffling. Have you gone there?
1: I haven't got to a the game there, no.
0: It's Qualcomm.
1: Oh, that's awful.
0: Yeah, it's that that's terrible like stadium. Place. It's awful. What are you talking about? Okay, that invalidates the entire thing. We don't need to read anymore. Um,
1: uh, so what? What's the point? Is he saying that UCLA is not the greatest tailgate spot in the world?
0: Okay, I'm going off of stuff I've read over the years. That look, I have. I don't really have a dog in this fight. I haven't tailgated at the Rose Bowl in probably crap. It's probably been nine years. Um, I don't care, and frankly, I'm fine with UCLA moving their games, but. What I always remember reading was that it was like Ole Miss the Grove and UCLA as far as like the actual tailgating location. You're in the middle of Pasadena on a golf course. That's kind of cool. But I don't I, I don't care. But I yeah. remember reading a bunch of articles like that. So that's all I'm going on. All right. Earl, you seem to have done a lot of work and I don't want to invalidate your work. So you're right. You're you're right.
1: I'm wrong. Good job, Earl. All right. Lifetime of disappointment. This is from Tristan. Uh, what Pac Twelve School could a child born today reasonably expect to compete for a national championship in their lifetime? So, if you had a kid, that was the sound of tumbleweeds, if you could hear it. Yeah, uh, I mean, say you could expect USC to win one. Well, what sport?
0: <laughs> right,
1: we're going to go football.
0: You could expect USC to win one, just on you know rate of rate of championship winning. Uh, Washington? Washington, maybe. Um, I mean, they had
1: 1-1 in the ninth. 90-
0: Oregon, with the amount of money they're spending on their program. I think Oregon,
1: you'd put in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've been to a uh, playoff or BCS twice in the last 10 years. Yeah.
1: Are you going to say Cal? Because this year they have a good shot.
0: Cal's got a really good shot this year, 12-0. But, well, the, <laughs> but the child, okay, so it's a child born today, but they can't play for that national championship-winning Cal team. Okay. So, no, no Cal. Is well, there... actually, they could start a dynasty. We don't know. We'll talk to Ryan Gorsey about it after they hit 10 wins.
1: Um, is there anyone else you'd put on there that you'd feel confident could win a... No. No. Yeah. There's you don't no think way. UCLA could... No. No.
0: UCLA's last title um, came when my dad, who's now uh, 75, was um, 11 years old.
1: Co- Colorado had won one. But I don't think that they're they don't seem to be on that trajectory. no people say Arizona State like there's that potential you there know? is I don't know if you're gonna go there um I mean Washington State won eleven games last year, like I Stanford's
0: but, on the downward slope. I don't think you're doing that. I think no. you're doing that for a lot of other reasons, no matter what you should send your kid to uh, Stanford Tristan um but not for not for football in the near future no.
1: all right.
0: Okay, uh, we've got Derek in Redondo Beach. He's right next door to us. We're just gonna say hi.
1: He is. Yeah, I think he has two emails, so you might want to read this one and then the next one. So All right, I think we're uh, getting into the game parts now. This good. Is good.
0: Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Love the podcast. Can one of you fine individuals please explain how Clay Helton is now a better coach than Chip Kelly? Um, well, <laughs> he's never been infected by NFL crap. Maybe um, it's more Chip Kelly got so bad than Clay Helton got a lot better. Um, David, I just checked out your Twitter account It's a linguistic masterpiece Someone should definitely hire you to do something <laughs> <laughs> Tough luck for them Bruins 0-4 is a tough start No other choice but to fight on, thanks Oh, Derek <laughs> uh, Derek then, then emails uh, This was two hours later Almost exactly, well, an hour and a half later Not a question Hmm, that email didn't age well Congrats, Dave Enjoy the nuclear Pullman pick Oh, I, I gotta go through that whole saga, don't I? The what? saga of me being blocked by UCLA football Twitter.
1: I I don't even know if I know about this. You missed this. this? I think I missed this.
0: Okay, so Saturday. So, all right. So I've been having a little bit of fun with the UCLA graphics guy. <laughs> have you been following these graphics that have been coming out?
1: Well, you the one that the Pullman one you were completely trashing. I don't know what it was like. So was, all right, so it week, was really weird. I don't know. Week
0: one, I, mean. I want to say um, there was this graphic that came out. I didn't comment on this one, but it was a bear in a flaming forest rising up with, like, a full growl behind a UCLA player, kind of kneeling with a cane holding the camera, and it looked for the life of you. Like, the bear was really having its way with that player. Like, <laughs> was, was just in full-throated ecstasy, having just exploded on that UCLA player's back. And the UCLA player was holding a cane, like, bracing himself, and it was just so bizarre. And I didn't comment on that one. The next week, it's Friday the 13th, September 13th. And UCLA's is gearing up for the Oklahoma game. And they've got this poster that comes out, this little uh, graphic. And these are the edits that the kids talk about these days. Yeah. And it's Darnay Holmes wearing what looks like a cape. Um, and his head looks super big for some reason, like his head's been enlarged. Um, and he's staring at the ground and he's holding a football. And on the ground is a skull and a rose. What is going on? Right, no, and it's like I'm I'm starting to get interested at this point, and I tweet out something like, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah, and I get a bunch of responses. And like some Shakespearean. I, and, I'm, and I'm I'm honestly like just blown away by this. Right at this point, like it's this is avant garde. I'm more interested in this than anything going on in the football field. Yeah. and I'm starting to think like I need to write a story about this. This is cool. <laughs> and then this week, they put out something that is beyond insane. It's a um. It's Josh Woods, a linebacker. Um, His feet are, like, stuck in the Palouse. Like, they're stuck in the grass of the prairie out in the Palouse. And behind him is, like, the clock tower from Pullman or something, half buried in the ground, Um, a broken sign on his left, a flock of birds for some reason that could be bombers, like, could be fighter planes. It looked like apocalyptic, right? Yeah, smoke coming off of everything. It looked apocalyptic, except... Beautiful green grass, like a beautiful lawn, and his feet are embedded in it. And I'm like, I'm looking at that for the longest time. And I'm like, what are we trying to get at here? And so I tweet that one out. And then I'm thinking about it later. I'm like, is this actually like a statue commemorating an event? Like, is Josh Woods, because his feet are embedded in the ground, is that like a statue commemorating the Battle of Pullman? Like, is this after the fact? Is this meant to be 25 years from I'm thinking way too much about this. And I'm like, he's got me going. Yeah. The new media guy for UCLA, he's got me thinking about this. I am locked into this. But while I was tweeting about this, he, he blocked me from the UCLA football Twitter <laughs> account. <laughs> cuz I'm tweeting this stuff out and I'm like I am like, you know, being my usual self right, on Twitter. Yeah. Um and and I I noticed at one point You're non snarky. I'm, I'm going back to the, fair, I go yeah. back so I'm not even really following UCLA football cuz I don't I, I'm not doing the like day-to-day beat work, so I don't need to get the press releases when they come out so i go to it because i'm looking for more of these graphics because i'm like i'm i need to i need to get to the bottom of this this is like i'm like turning into one of those obsessives like i'm like close encounters of the third crime i'm gonna start building these things out of mashed potatoes at this point point. and i i go to look for it and i'm blocked blocked from from like this artist who's inspired me so i'm, I'm i tweet that out and then they unblock me later on but Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, they okay. finally unblocked me. Um, not through any of my own, but like a bunch of people started tweeting them, like,
1: you gotta unblock Dave.
0: Um, and then uh, they'd also blocked me from the Instagram at that point.
1: <laughs> That's so good. That's awesome. Did you ever get an explanation of what they were going for? Or what, what?
0: No, no. Honestly, it's still opaque to me. I love it though. I, I want them to keep going. So I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna ruffle, you know, true artists. You can't ruffle with them too much. You just gotta let them work and then admire the work when they're what, done. What
1: are the comments? There have to be crazy comments. Like,
0: oh, yeah. I mean, just people are like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what is this? And it's it's wonderful. Honestly, still, even after that game, the most interesting part of the team this year.
1: Nice. All right, we got a text message. Uh, it's 2.30 it's a.m. DWT, David Woods time. Three hours ago, I was lecturing my wife about how much worse the UCLA outlook was going to get from here, and now... A 32 point comeback later, she just woke up to tell me excitedly, "quote This game is stupid. I think I'm an idiot and I married up." Yes, you did. You, uh, yeah, you most certainly outkicked your coverage. So,
0: um, all right, that's Matthew's update on the pool. Um, all right, this is from Mike in Oakland. Hi, Ryan and Dave. From a Wazoo perspective, that game Saturday night was the definition of ferocious. Ferocious. How do you throw nine TD passes, be up by thirty two, and still lose the game? Rhetorical question. I think Wazoo just extended Chip Kelly's contract for at least one more year. <laughs> uh, for Dave, how many more games do you realistically see UCLA winning this season? I it doesn't change my outlook for the season because it, it seemed like such a unique and one off situation. So I was before the year, I was before that game, I was saying two and ten, three and nine. So I'll bump it up now to three and nine, four and eight, just because they won one I wasn't expecting. Um, but it doesn't really change the outlook for this team I, th- I still think it's a bad team fundamentally flawed on the defensive end and i'm not i'm still not sure that offensive performance is replicable um and then for ryan will you SS, which <laughs> ship uh will usc win the south if you're,
1: if you're gonna make fun of usc with the you gotta hit
0: the c yeah you, you gotta, gotta hit the c uh, will USC win the South? What are the odds of Clay Helton being Pac 12 coach of the year? Thanks and go, Cougs, Mike Noble.
1: USC's got a good chance to win the South now just beating Utah. Um, I don't think he'll be Pac 12 coach of the year. He was named the uh, the Dodd, there's some Dodd award or something. He was like the Dodd coach of the year, uh, coach of the week. And I just tweeted that out, and man, that made USC fans upset. But then you got a lot of Pac 12 fans that were coming in, like, yay, extend him, extend him. So it's, it's still kind of this ongoing joke, but. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I guess this is me. Big 12 West from Frank in Sacramento. Mike Leach of Washington State finally brought the Big 12 to the Pac 12. No defense uh, at all. At all, I think he means. 130 combined points. The silly season is here. Yeah, Frank. Would you rather us talking about Disney princesses or 130 points and 32 point comebacks?
0: I will take this any day over like whatever that like Michigan State Arizona State game. Oh, was. that was painful. Like don't bring Big 10 here. No. Bring bring the Big 12. When we
1: thought Arizona State was going to win that game 3 nothing and that have, <laughs> so first that would have been beautiful, <laughs> but also the most disgusting thing we've ever seen. 10-7 just so much worse than 3. 3 nothing would have been glorious, but 10-7 is yeah. just like
0: Well, it's like 0 and 12 versus 2 and 10.
1: Right. 0 and 12 is
0: something to behold. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that dream is dead now. For I know UCLA. my dr- my dream. My dream is dead. <laughs> I, re- I there was a part of me that wanted it. Like I really <laughs> did. Like if if it's gonna be three and nine or zero oh and twelve, I'm taking zero oh and twelve. That, that's that's a badge of honor. Um. All right. This is Zach uh, with the true or false and bamboo references. Uh. Great. Hey, Ryan and Dave. What a weekend. Let's get to true or false. UC- UCLA and SUC uh, dollar sign UC. Sorry. Uh. Will both be three and three in two weeks
1: false false yeah
0: um that was the night the light went on for dtr and we're officially in the bamboo has broken ground phase of chip's master plan if you hadn't made it a compound i would have said true to the first uh but, but you because you made it a compound i'm gonna go false
1: you said yeah i don't think it's chip's master plan but no but dtr i think dtr be i mean
0: if you can have a game like that you clearly have real upside yeah. so yeah dtr uh possibly true i'll go true uh but overall i'd say false um for the master plan uh, after the F team ESPN crew calling the points fest on the Palouse compared Max Borgie, who was awesome by the way to Christian McCaffrey and referenced how well he would fit in the Patriots lineup. We were just one gym rat stand-up guy or the kind of guy you'd want to date your daughter from hitting white skilled position bingo. <laughs> yeah, this is absurd. And I, I, I get why they're doing it. I don't, I, I sort of get the Christian McCaffrey thing because he does kind of run the same way. Um, but first have a little awareness. Like, don't compare the one white running back to the other, other white, white running, running back. back. Yeah. And I know they kind of run the same way, but you haven't bought yourself enough, enough equity to do that one. And second, can't you just – this was a line in the broadcast. Can't you just see him fitting in on the Patriots? Yeah. And it's like, you literally just mean he's a small white guy who can catch a ball. Right. That's all you mean. Yeah. Can't you see him fitting in on the Patriots? Why? Yeah. Like, just because he's a small white guy. That's
1: all, just that was that was it was beautiful. Are those woke statements or non woke statements? I don't even
0: think it's. I, I don't even think that gets into woke. That's just don't be stupid. Yeah. Like why are you making that comparison when there's so many better things you could be saying? Yeah. Is he an NFL player? Maybe. Why don't you talk about him as an NFL player? Right. You don't need to make the stupid comparisons to make you look like an,
1: a a meathead. The kind of guy you want to date your daughter. That's to. such a perfect one. It's like...
0: But that one's usually used for. That one is more often, in my mind, used for, like, black players is, like, one of those things where they're, like, calling them well-spoken and stuff like oh, that, okay, where it's yeah. one of those things. But you um, do it to
1: a white guy, then it's kind of racist, too. I think.
0: Yeah, like, well, it's yeah. just all, like, it's just, yeah. yeah, if you do it to a white guy, it's a little bit more, like... Yeah,
1: because I normally wouldn't that. want my daughter dating black guys. Oh, this is, you know, Yeah, guy's it's, it's
0: really bad. Yes. So, yeah, anyway. Um, Jake Browning Jr., I mean, JT Daniels will start another game for USC.
1: Uh, true. Yeah, he will. False. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh,
0: David Shaw will be Stanford's head coach next season. True. True. David Woods, or at least his Twitter feed, will be prominently featured in Feldman's eventual oral history of the UCLA-Washington State game.
1: True. I think it has to be. I think, it, yes. And we'll make it happen because we'll just tell We'll just tell Bruce to, yeah.
0: Yeah, to do that. Yeah. Make it happen.
1: I mean, he would, yeah. Well,
0: he's got ins with both coaches. I don't know if my Twitter feed rates.
1: <laughs> no, but that, that's... it's. <laughs> You gotta paint the entire picture. You gotta paint the entire picture. Right. So,
0: so idiot I- idiot reporter <laughs> <laughs> tweeting through it. Tweeting through it. The uh the David Woods. We're gonna make that happen. Uh Cal is actually pretty good, and Wilcox can actually coach, true. True, yeah. Uh Chase Coda and Kyle Phillips are gym rats and the <laughs> types of guys you'd want to date your daughter.
1: Uh not false. touching that. False. Okay. False. Thanks, that one. Uh this is another text message uh from uh Dalen in Salt Lake, I think it is. Uh does that look like Dalen to you? Yeah, or? sure. Okay, uh, tell me why you think. Uh, tell me why you think of this coach in the Pac-12 by the numbers, not his name. Uh, one, two Pac-12 opening season game in this ten year. I, this is really this one, is a, two Pac-12. I'll read it. One, two Pac-12
0: opening season games in his ten years. I guess in the Pac-12 has a winning record against Colorado, Oregon State, Stanford, and UCLA, and is thirty-four and forty-two in Pac-12 play overall. So he's talking about Kyle
1: Whittingham. Okay, um, this is really part. Like he must be. He was a little drunk, well, baby. Utah. <laughs> was he? Oh, he can't be drunk if he's in Utah. Well, maybe he could. No, be. no. Is he? He's talking about. I uh, guess yeah, he's in Salt Lake. I he's guess. in Salt Lake.
0: A little bit harder to come by there. Uh, um, okay, so uh, Whittingham
1: is he a great coach or just a mediocre one? <sighs> I, I mean, think he's a good coach.
0: Um, the thing with Whittingham is he started when they made the transition to the Pac-12, it took him a while yeah. to get going. Um, but once they got going, I mean, they they were 34 and 42 in Pac-12 play, but the last, I don't know, four years, they've been, I think, great in Pac-12 play. They've been better.
1: I mean, they had, like, two years ago, I think they had a losing record, but, they, you know, last year, win in the South. Um... And two years ago was, like, the flukiest
0: damn fluke year of all t- fluke years. Like, they were, in advanced stats, like a top 15 team, but they just couldn't get it going.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I think he's a really good coach. I thought there were some, uh, just it, it was they didn't. It wasn't a great showing this past weekend, but um, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't say he's. I mean, I guess maybe Dal- Dalen's not a big fan, but I think uh, maybe he's a little
0: little heated after that game. Yeah, here I'll read this next one too. Okay, uh, this is from uh, <laughs> Silence Good. What is it with the people and they're like? Nom de plumes writing into this damn show.
1: (laughs) Is it do good or is it dog good or silence do good?
0: Maybe. Okay. Maybe. All right. Um, sir, I am writing you to enlighten and inform your listeners as an octogenarian widower from Lancaster of virtuous ways of looking at the Pacific 12 conference.
1: My guess is this is not necessarily an octogenarian Octogenarian widower from from Lancaster.
0: Lancaster. Um, but if you are good on you, silence, do good. Um, in my time on this earth, there has been nothing near as exhilarating or as watching the pigskin fly up and down the West Coast. Oh, okay, yeah, a little... definitely not an octogenarian <laughs> widower. I know most of your listeners are disenchanted, cynical, and suffering from male-pattern baldness and or periodic hemorrhoids. Kind of got both. Uh, <laughs> since I have been married to three or four of these men in my time, I have much to offer you. Okay. Here are my rules for virtue after week four of the Pacific 12 season. One, Cal football is undefeated. I have also remembered to take my pills on time the last three days. No one has any reason to believe either of these streaks are going to last much longer. <laughs> Two, Clay Helton was looking, much, was looking more tickled than the Pillsbury Doughboy after Southern Cal pulled off a big win in the Coliseum on Friday. However, he is fooling himself if he thinks he is going to last much longer than a plate of fresh cinnamon rolls at Urban Meyer's FS1 going away party. Three, pandemonium on the Palouse. Chocolate Chip Kelly is like me, only getting sweeter with age. Until next week, boys. All right. So, so this we're... one is the same guy as Rusty Fence and Day
1: Almond. So, and, oh, okay, same one. Yes. All right. Same guy. But same different emails. Different email address. Okay. Uh, I, I'm still. He not...
0: even went through the trouble of. So wait, 1954. So Silence Do Good, 1954. So are we thinking that's his theoretical graduation year from college? If he's an octogenarian. So he'd be in the 80s, right? So You're... he would have to had to have been born in his in the 30s. So, so fifty four would be, be a good yeah okay so he's eighty seven silence do good, day and uh, Rusty Fences alternate ego yeah alt ego
1: I like it yeah all right this alter wh- ego Jeez, that was tough to say it's it's been a long time yeah and we're we're still getting I have you know I have beers in the fridge I should have brought we those. probably should be drinking right we'll get some we'll get some afterwards uh go we're we're on like the home stretch here go Cougs. Hello, uh, Casey from Tacoma. Love the podcast. I'm sure there will be a lot of Wazoo UCLA. I can uh, kind of see it as a confluence of factors, i.e. not just one thing like terrible defense that equates to one of those volatile games that happen in college football. Curious if you guys agree or disagree. And since all of our fan bases have some degree of misery this year, better to sink into good whiskey or just immerse myself into the darkness of some rot-gut-toilet moonshine to truly embrace college football sorrow. Thanks, and go Cougs. You think it was a confluence of factors? I mean, it had to be a lot of stuff. The only way
0: that thing happens is a confluence of factors. Like, there's no way you just do that on its own. What I was surprised by was that Washington State was still scoring. Like, usually when that sort of comeback happens, it's just the other team completely just loses the thread. Uh, But they scored... I mean, again, they, they, they make scored. it really hard to
1: come back when the other team still score. They scored
0: 28 second half points. <laughs> like, that's OK. I don't know. I I don't really understand what happened in that game. I still don't. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is uh, from Oscar. A uh, quick question for Dave. What are you hearing about Theo Howard? Is a red shirt available for him? Thanks for all you do. Oh, um, well, I I there is a redshirt available for him. He's only played in one game this year. Uh, he was he didn't travel with the team to Washington State, um, and he was uh, out for the first two games. Um, so at this point, if I was him, I would be thinking about strongly thinking about redshirting because even if he redshirts, he can still play three more games at the end of the year or throughout the year or whatever he wants what, to do. What's his injury? And in? he's he had a ri- he had wrist surgery in the off season, um, and it just hasn't gotten where it needs to get um and he was a guy who really needed a prove-it year i think to make uh to be a draft pick um so yeah if i were him i'd rehab for the year and just come back as a redshirt senior next year um i think that's probably the best option for him because right now he's only going to have even if he got immediately fully healthy and the fact that he went from playing in a game to not even making the road trip that's not a great sign for his recovery Uh um so I'd, I think it'd probably behoove him to uh, give it another uh, year and just uh, see about coming back next year, but I don't know what's in his mind right now.
1: All right. Uh, Shane, Shane, you've effed you've me here. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like 2,000 words. All right. I might have to have Dave go into the fridge and get a couple of beers while I'm reading this. Okay, two weeks ago, I wrote an advice email Uh And every second that passes, I thank my lucky stars, you didn't read it. I was wrong about literally every single thing I said. It was like a book report for the David Woods School of Twitter statement accuracy. With another week of results, here's my revised advice for each team. Say, Ooh, Dave's got the beers. All right, here, you can. uh, Shane, you made me get a beer because this is going to be crazy. All right. Ah, that's good stuff. What
0: do we got? Ballast point
1: sculpin ipa okay arizona fire yates still yeah you you defensed for a game but marcel yates is still worse as a defensive coordinator than he is at uh running a used car lot and he's historically bad at that (laughs) uh black sark ditched this man black sark jeez he said black sark isn't my line but it's honey glazed ham level accuracy okay (laughs) this should be interesting ASU, I feel like we're getting racist. We're reading things that are kind of bad. Okay, ASU.
0: Stop. I don't. So I was thinking about that one, and I don't know. And please chime in out there. Um, but I, I don't know if that one is because it's just it's descriptive.
1: Yeah. But me. Eh. But as white guys saying things like black, yeah, talk, I, probably I, I get uncomfortable to... with it. So right.
0: yeah, maybe we, I was even unclear. I, the honey glazed ham one, I don't know if that's <laughs> a little bit problematic itself. If we're being, if we're being. If we're being 100,
1: it's like a South Florida. I don't know, whatever, but
0: yeah, but calling a guy who's swarthy, a honey glazed (laughs) glazed ham. Is that great? I don't know. doesn't seem great. Yeah. Uh,
1: Arizona state stopped playing to the level of your competition. Your offensive line struggled against Sac state's D line, but somehow survived Michigan state's D line. Then you come home and get sucked into a game of mediocrity with Colorado. If you continue to play to the level of your competition, you will always be NC state, uh, Being ranked long enough to give another team credit for, quote, beating a ranked team and spending Christmas in El Paso. Stop it. That's actually a really good point. I mean, that was Colorado's first win over a ranked team on the road in 17 years. And does it really count when they were ranked for about, you know, 10 minutes? Four minutes? No. Uh, Cal offense, I think. Uh, Through the transitive properties of college football, you're now the best team in the state of Utah. (laughs) Uh, Evan Weaver looks like a big wet baby, but he's really good at tackling. Last year you lost to a quarterback with drop foot. In that <laughs> rule. <laughs> Shade is pretty good. Uh, Colorado, celebrate now. Unlike ASU, I think you should celebrate your status as kind of good. You won a road game at home. You won a road game on the road, and in between, you lost. <laughs> a... <laughs> you lost a lot. Of... <laughs> you lost to a team of pilots. I think I understand this weird sport. That's <laughs> so good. You lost a road game at home, <laughs> and you lost to a team of pilots. Wait, no, you won a road game at home. Yeah. Yeah. Because they beat Nebraska. All right, Oregon. Keep defensing. You're currently ranked number 11 in the country in defensive efficiency. You got there by beating offensive juggernauts, Stanford, Nevada, and Montana. I'll hold off on judgment until you play a real offense like Cal, but I think you might be okay at defense. That's good. Oregon State, you have games against Stanford and UCLA. Three wins is progress. Okay. (laughs) Stanford, uh, get the cheese plates ready. It's almost water polo season. Uh, Is it too early to celebrate a reunion of the 2015 Rose Bowl team? That team was super good. Uh, Utah. Hey, this team is better in one fundamental way than that Stanford team. And what's that? That Stanford team didn't beat Northwestern. <laughs> That's true. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Northwestern's a weird team. Um, they didn't, didn't they just get boat raced by Michigan State or something? Yeah, yeah.
0: They, they sure did. They sure did.
1: Here, I'm going to take over
0: so you can drink more of your beer.
1: Oh, okay. Thanks.
0: Uh, Utah, stop throwing. Huntley is a guy who looks okay statistically, but if I squint real hard when you throw, you look like Cheez-It Bull cow. They lost to a quarterback with drop foot. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan just spit out his beer on the second uh, direct foot reference. Uh, USC more jump balls. Washington's defense is made to stop the air raid. So the fact that you brought in an off brand Cliff Kingsbury and are still running the same plays you ran last year—send four
1: guys deep to a spot and huck it up there—will probably work against them. I think that's. I mean, that's real though. Like, I think if they run the air raid with Matt Fink, like Washington stops Washington State's air raid with like Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. I think they really do need to throw up the jump balls. Like I think this is a real just thing. Man for sure. on man, beat him.
0: Yeah. Uh, UCLA block David Woods. This is the best thing your football team has done since 1998. <laughs> David went so hard that you had to block him. Then went out and scored 50 points in 30 minutes just to keep his record batting a thousand on being wrong intact. Also, keep doing the surreal photoshops where your players are sinking into the dirt and trees are smoldering. It's real spooky. Um. <laughs> Like, okay, so literally. We shouldn't I, really read
1: this whole thing, but we have to read this whole thing. Like,
0: really? And seriously, go to my Twitter account because you can find the moment where UCLA was down 49 17, where I tweet, I think this is the worst UCLA team I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I think 20 minutes of real time later, I say, I think this is the best UCLA team I've ever seen. It was a real, a real moment. Um, Washington, stop trying to win the 2008 Fiesta Bowl. At this point, you don't need to outsmart the other team. You're talented enough to just beat most opponents straight up. At one point in this last game, you were up three scores. Your QB was 14 of 15 with two TDs, and you decided in the red zone that maybe a direct snap to a running back or your field goal holder would be a better option to get the ball into the end zone. Stop doing that. So good. I like that. Uh, Washington State, never stopped cooging it. Remember in 2012, you were playing against a 1-11 Colorado team at home They had just lost by 55 points to Fresno State. You were ahead 31-14 in the fourth quarter. You gave up 21 straight and lost, giving them their only win on the season. This is exactly like that, but much, much worse. (laughs) A Kook fan recently told me they would rather finish number 10 in the country than win the Apple Cup, win the Pac-12, and go to the Rose Bowl to play Ohio State with Ryan Abraham in attendance. Enjoy your finish number 10 banner, you knucklehead. You lost to UCLA.
1: (laughs) Keep up the work, your friend and compatriot, Shane. I mean, that's like... Email of the year, maybe. That was really good. That was pretty good. Um, I should probably read this one. Flawed, unconcerned, negligent. So this is from Tor. Is he talking about us? I, maybe. There's the, there wasn't any punctuation, so I'm not sure how that goes together. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, thanks, as always, for the sterling content and spot-on ruminations of all things Pac-12 football. I wanted to start by agreeing with Kyle Bonagora's latest assessment of what is right, about this conference, namely that the product on the field still has a unique way of being entertaining that equals, if not surpasses, all other conferences in the fun factor. That counts, the fun factor. And really the next part of the sentence is, so long as one defines fun, quote, fun, as a highly entertaining contest between national also-rans that is almost always starkly deficient in one of the major areas of well-rounded football, usually capable defense. Yeah. Uh, UCLA uh, Wazoo was a great reminder of how joyful things can be if you don't care about the national college football picture. Both teams play to the very last fibers of their exertion. Uh, everybody in attendance and all of those involved, including the generally dour and surly, a, surly as F clipper slash shredder. Chipper. I'm sorry. Chipper class shredder seems excited and invested. Many plays were made, many mistakes were too, but the end result was a game worth staying up into the small hours to watch. Uh, so while we all stay, I'm sorry, while we all say mildly complicit watching Commissioner Scat mismanage the conference coffers, thereby forcing many member <laughs> institutions to hire meddling to poor position and head coaches who are also uninspiring that they send the brightest and best young signal caller scurrying east to haul in meaningful championships and individual hardware on bigger more garishly <laughs> illuminated stages let us remember we can still be fun maybe not good as in a larger sense definitely not relevant in most any sense east of the rockies but still fun capital f u n fun yours in conflict tour he had oh. a lot of tongue twisters for you oh my god that was bad, and there was no punctuation. There oh, my, a...
0: my man, Tor, he's a, I mean, this is this is literary. I mean, he that went he went with a long sentence for you there at the end. That was, yeah. You held in. You did well. I could <laughs> see you reaching for that beer. You wanted that wanted beer, but beer you didn't break. You were ready to go. You were doing <laughs> it, and I respect that. It was a good email, Tor. Thanks, Tor. I liked Tor. it. I liked it. A little bit more periods, though. Like, just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> all right hit for the day i'm sure this won't be opaque uh a heart so white over the summer i asked you boys what you thought of the possibility that stanford is facing a recruitment nightmare since they have restricted access to juco's in the transfer portal and the early signing period has undercut their ability to swoop in late and leverage their prestige david changed his mind twice over the course of his reply and i wonder if the season so far has let him settle on a position no because i think i changed my position on stanford mid reply again this show uh, are these roster problems transient, signifying nothing? Is Stanford's predicament really as easily solved by rinsing its hands of a coaching staff grown stale? I think they either need to change their offensive scheme or they need to really reinvigorate their recruiting along the offensive line. Maybe their development along the offensive line, because I haven't been impressed with the guys who've even been in the program.
1: Yeah, because they were getting, you know, you'd get like the Andres Peets of the world who come in as highly ranked players, but then they're, they're developed well and they go to the mm-hmm. NFL. And I'm not seeing as much of that. Yeah, Walker Little and uh, Foster Sorrell. I I mean, Walker Little obviously
0: broke his leg or whatever, but um, Foster Sorrell was another one who was supposed to be big time who hasn't really turned out great so far.
1: But there's something stale. I mean, I don't think Trevita Pritchard is the the answer right there. It doesn't look like – No. Yeah.
0: No, I I think you either have to change some things up staff-wise or you need to adjust back to what you were doing well, and I think it is recruiting the big uglies up front and – dictating with that offense but it's it's the line i mean defensive line has not been great the last few years and uh has not been deep they've had like one or two good defensive linemen that as soon as those defensive linemen get hurt the defensive line isn't good again yeah like harrison phillips that one year was basically their one defensive lineman and then it was, he so- was a stud yeah and solomon thomas was their one defensive lineman when he was there but otherwise they just haven't had consistent play up there either yeah um far cry from the days of um You know, Henry Anderson and and those
1: guys. All right, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I never like to count Stanford out because they always seem to bounce back, but this doesn't seem like something you're going to bounce back from quickly. No. Uh, Irrational Conspiracy Theory of the Week. This is from uh, Austin in Salt Lake. Hey, Ryan and Dave. It's been almost a year since I've written in. Why so long, Austin? Mm. Uh, But I thought I'd get your thoughts on my completely ridiculous conspiracy theory. Here's my theory. Utah intentionally shot themselves in the foot repeatedly and lost to U dollar sign C in an attempt to secure Clay Helton's job for the remainder of the season. This would prevent Urban Meyer from coming in midseason and single-handedly destroying Utah's hopes of repeating as Pac-12 South champs. Utah was just playing the long game. But in all honesty, Utah made way too many costly errors, and USC capitalized on them. As much as it pays me to give them credit, USC did what they were supposed to, and we didn't. Here's uh here's the hoping we still have a small chance. Of doing something relevant this year. Go Utes, Austin, and Salt Lake. Mm. They I mean they definitely got a chance. USC can lose a bunch of games. I, I just don't think, I mean, the, the margin for error here for Utah is different. Uh, it sucks to go from a top 10 team where, you know, talking about playoff and things like that to you got to scramble to somehow win the South. But USC is a flawed team. They got some tough road games. You know, if the Trojans lose this weekend to Washington, uh, I mean, but it just means Utah's going to have to take care of business. Like, you can't lose to some of those games you lost last year.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, USC's probably—I mean, the thing with Utah is if Utah wins out right now, like, if they go 11-1, uh, and one, they're probably winning the South outright. Um, right. Because USC still has at Washington, and they've got to play Oregon. Um, that's at least one loss, and it's USC— they're gonna do a weird thing in another game. Yeah, like at best, this team is going seven and two, and that leaves a window um, for uh, for Utah to get it done. But Utah has to be perfect. That's the thing. I, I think, think the 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 playoff picture and whatever for the Pac-12 has narrowed, but I think a lot of people are like signing its death warrant way too quickly. Um, first, Cal obviously is alive.
1: See, i have signed the death warrant. I don't think Pac-12 is making it outside of Cal. Like Cal could.
0: What I'm saying is there's still a chance, Um, because Oregon, their one loss is to what's turning out to be a very good Auburn team, Um, an Auburn team that just went Texas A&M and beat beat the hell out of them. Um, It was 28-20, but it was deceptive. Um, So Oregon, I think, still has a real chance. Washington, I still think, has a real chance, especially if Cal keeps winning. Um, And Cal has some respect now on them, because they went into SEC country and pulled out a road win. Yeah. Um I, I still think there's some life there, but um basically the the Pac-12 has no margin for error now. Um, right. So one of those teams has to win out if they're going to have any chance.
1: Yeah. And Utah, they have they still have to play Washington State, well, Washington State this weekend, but then Washington and Cal from the mm-hmm. north. So like they they missed Stanford, which you thought was a good thing early in the year, and now that's not a good thing.
0: No. No. No, it's not a good thing at all. You don't want you don't want Cal this year. No. All right. Um, we've got Bernie. All right. Questions for Ryan. I know you don't like basketball questions, but you do have a basketball team. Is that right?
1: I do d I don't own a basketball team. I don't have one. Are you sure? I yeah. Among
0: your many assets, you don't own a I basketball no. team? Okay. I'm,
1: I'm now I've lost I've two less beers than I've owned before. But in all but this, this
0: office space.
1: <laughs> That's true, yes.
0: You would think with with the investment you've made in this office that you would have a basketball team to your name yeah, as well. I, I do
1: not, well, uh, Bernie, sorry. Okay.
0: Well, anyway, uh, so Kansas just got... Kansas. Kansas. I'm half a beer in, and I'm already saying Kansas. He actually spelled it correctly, too. I know. So Kansas just got hit with major NCAA violations in Bill Self for violating NCAA bylaw 11.1.1.1. That seems false. Like, how is there a bylaw that's eleven point one point one point one? Is that like a joke? I don't know. Why are there so many ones? Tell me, I, I dude. I've I lost interest in this a long time ago. But let's go H- head coach is presumed to be responsible <laughs> for the for the actions of all staff members. Okay. How long before USC is hit with similar violations? This will be a major story, Ryan. It will set back the basketball program for years.
1: So yeah, so they were. uh under 500 last year. What? How much further can you set the program back? Now there, um, I don't understand the stuff that's going on, but there are or the sport. I don't understand the sport. Apparently, there's a ball you bounce and you know whatever. It's got
0: you've got to be bouncing it when you're moving.
1: There, there's for some reason. There's all kinds of weird rules, but and I've I read some of the people that write about this stuff, and the Bill Self thing for Kansas. It seemed like he was definitely more involved in the people that were. The people making that were testifying under oath, like he was personally involved, where, you know, I, I don't think it was the same thing at USC or Arizona or some of the other schools. Uh, I don't know if there's more violations or anything coming down. I haven't heard anyone at USC seem to be really worried about that stuff. Um, they had the one Are they just,
0: aware that they have a basketball program?
1: They are. They, you know, they have a really good recruiting class. They're actually going to be pretty good this year. Um, oh, they're
0: going to be pretty good after going 16 and 17 last year? Yes, they're supposed what's, to. Be good. What's pretty good, 17 and 16? <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that would be pretty. No, <laughs> they're, I think they're going to be picked like third in the Pac-12 or something. Oh, were,
0: third in the Pac-12. Yeah. Well, and it's such a robust basketball Dude, league. Dude, I don't, I don't know shit about basketball. I don't care.
1: But like, I, I haven't heard anything, Bernie, that there was going to be some major thing. That, but who knows? I mean, this is not my area of expertise. Dave, I mean, Dave doesn't even know this shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have even tried to answer. I would have blown him off. <laughs> Bernie, you're great. I love you. Uh, uh yeah, but- I don't I, I I don't see this being some kind of major story coming. Uh I mean Kansas definitely is, but I don't I don't know. If they come after Andy Enfield and the the program, but I I haven't heard something like that in the works, but who knows?
0: Who knows? All right, for Dave. Do you believe Kelly is coming to terms with the fact that he grossly devalued the importance of recruiting and will now put in the effort? I heard a radio interview with former Oklahoma coach Bob Stutz on Saturday, and he was saying that recruiting is a year-round job now, and you have to work your tail off to stay competitive. Will Kelly change? Thanks. Um, recruiting was always an extensive job. Um, now, in the old days, you could get away with you know taking some time off for, for vacation, and I still think you probably can. I mean, it's not you got to be in touch. You got to be like, you know, taking phone calls all the time, but you don't have to be on campus all the time, especially in like the early part of summer. Um, not even doing that. I mean, Jim Kelly wasn't even doing that. So I think they've just kind of gotten to the point where they're, um, you know, in the season now, and I don't know how heavily they're recruiting in the season. Um, it certainly seems like they've stopped doing the eight clap eights. So I don't know that any realizations have come out of anything. Um, I think they have a process, and if you hear Chip Kelly talk about his process, I mean, his process is his, you know, that's his beloved. He's not going to get rid of his process, and his process clearly involves whatever this recruiting strategy is. So, no, I don't think he's ditching that. Um, I think he's he's going to feel validated if it comes out that in four or five years some of these guys turned out better than they otherwise thought that, that you know recruiting rankings thought they would, but i I think he has his design on how he wants to do things, and I don't think he's adjusting it um I haven't seen him adjust much of what he's done on the field, and then I don't see him adjusting a whole lot of what he's gonna do off the field, so no, I don't see it's uh see it changing
1: well all right, Bernie, thanks for the questions and uh Bernie's
0: always our last one. it feels
1: like I think he knows when we're recording and he sends him in like at the end. Does Bernie have you tapped? does he, he have you wiretapped? tap? <laughs> Does he maybe he lives in the area and he knows where I go in the office? Does he like, pick up all my all my many phone calls to you <laughs> or all the
0: many times I send you back a text message after you text me? Yeah,
1: I remember that one time you did that. There was that one time. <laughs> well, we've gone over two hours. So there's that. Did we really? Yes, time flies it does. Time flies. It kind of helps to be in the same room, but it, we've had a lot of questions, though, too. So yeah, I don't have
0: like children yelling in the background. That's that's good. we had a
1: beer, like this is this is a new
0: we've had a beer, yeah, we've had a beer, and I don't drink, I mean you you get wasty faced all the time, but I don't, so you don't drink at all i have I have small children, like when yeah. am I gonna find the time when actually more to the point, when am I gonna find the time where I don't feel like a degenerate, uh, oh. it's like twice a year where I'm like, okay, this is a situation my kids are taken care of, I can go do something, this is fine, and then even then I'm like. Here's the thing about having kids, um, small kids especially, I think. Um, I, you want to get away from them sometimes, right? Okay. Because they drive you nuts. Um, and then it hits like an hour into whatever you're doing, and you're kind of like- You gotta miss them? You're like, I miss my kids. <laughs> I'd like to be home listening to whatever inane bullshit they want to tell me. <laughs> and it's just like that. And so you're like, uh, do I really want to get my head really bad and then be a waste of space tomorrow too?
1: Fair. You don't want that. So, like, you'll get drunk when like, you come out with your buddies and go, like, basically, out here or when I come here, when I come right. here,
0: um, I'll, I'll, you know, find a bunch of my college friends and we'll go, uh, carousing. But nice. it's like one, like, one night every, like, six months. Gotcha. And that's, that's about what I do. That's my speed these days. I'm an old
1: man. No, I'm an old man. I know what
0: you're talking about. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're on the beach, you're, <laughs> you're, you're boozing it up all the time. I Probably know all more, about you. more than I should, but yeah. No, I respect it.
1: See, I could have like USC had a Friday game. I could have like said, "Wow, I'm just going to watch college football all day on Saturday. It's going to be great." Or I could play in some drunken golf tournament and do that. That's great. And I did the latter. I think you're living the dream, (laughs) dude. I'm too old. It's like it's hard to recover from that stuff, man.
0: I so that's the other thing is also I drink like again once every six months, and I then have like a two and a half day hangover. (laughs) it's like shouldn't i get like liver credit or something where i don't have that hangover for like two days shouldn't it just be like an hour the next day i like that yeah but no i don't you don't get any liver credit no your liver is still like hey dude you may not remember you certainly don't remember but i remember everything you did to me between the ages of 22 and 27 and this is payback you're paying for it
1: now yeah nice all right, well, let's wrap it up. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this over two-hour edition of the podcast of champions with David. And st- you know, he's in town, he's in studio. We're drinking beers. What you know, if if you can find a better Pac-12 podcast than this, I mean. You probably look, You're probably looking here. at
0: w- that, two of the other, pod- Those other ones podcasts, just, yeah. and, and they might—they might. I mean, in all honesty, they might be better. I know they're new; yeah. they're new, and they're probably better than us. But we do
1: appreciate you listening to us. They have
0: professionals, yeah. like you know George Reitster, the great George Wrightster. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. Former duck, yeah. former duck. Um, yes. Somebody who's actually you know played the games that we're talking about. He's played college football, not just us. We're no, just, we're just dumb assholes talking about.
1: It. We are. Well, sign it off for that dumb asshole. This is another dumb asshole. We will uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next time.